and welcome to the end of year special. It's the annual event where we go through the year of Xbox and now PlayStation. With me today, we have the normal crew. So Sam's here. Hello. Hello. Ollie's here. Hello. Hello. And returning after a long absence, we have Mark. Hello. Hi. Getting up super early to join us again. Thank you for your commitment to the cause. <laughs> uh, so like we did last year, we're just going to go through the various events of the year in quarters. So obviously we'll start at quarter one. We've kind of listed the biggest news, the biggest games that we want to talk about. So starting with Q1, I'll go through some of the site things that happened. So early in the year, we started the Great Trio Treatment Score Challenge for this year. So that's a, a massive commitment from everybody involved in that. It was Teams of Two this year. I think me and Treasy went out in about March. So we did okay. It's too much commitment. I don't know how these people do it. And it seems like the same people do it year in, year out. So it's not like somebody's held on to cheap gamer score since the event started. The same people year in, year out doing it again and again. And I don't know how they do it. Uh, We introduced the site help stories. So we've done a few of them this year, just pointing out some of the different features across the site that maybe people don't use or a lot of people didn't even know were there, like the Twitter integration, our gaming sessions were, that kind of thing. That's something we're going to continue next year. We've introduced a regular feature that Mark does of the, I don't know, is it easiest or quickest achievements from every month? Yeah, it tends tends to be, you know, we call it easiest, but it's it's kind of quickest, but they're kind of synonymous in that realm, I think. So it's pretty much ID titles and episodic stuff, I imagine. Mostly, um, yeah. We've been doing more recently like a regular summary from the sales of the quickest completions from each sale. So that's been going all right. We did the annual site leaderboards, and you could go through and get your info on all kind of different things, ID, Xbox, different platforms. Basically, you could fudge the stats to make you number one at something. <laughs> I think I ended up in number one for American football games in Europe. That was how I managed to find it. <laughs> um, we did the Winter Olympics, which was a pretty fun event. There was loads of different types of things tied to, obviously, Winter Olympics type stuff. In March, TA turned 10 years old, which we did a massive celebration throughout the week. We did the uh, birthday challenge where you had to spell... Happy birthday, true achievements that I know a lot of people got involved in. Yeah, I did we that did. one. That was good. Yeah, I did that one because there was no messing up your game of score things to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put me up. Um, we did the huge stream. We did a, a mama stream where we gave away probably about 100 different game codes and we had all sorts of stuff given to us from Playground Games, gave us loads of Forza Horizon 3 stuff. Ubisoft sent over some stuff. So that was a, a pretty fun event. Mm. We also added, I think Ollie was actually involved. This is probably one of the first devs he did since he joined the company at the start of Jan. Xbox Game Pass and EA Access game collection integration. I think it probably was. One of the, the first like major dev work I can remember is um, the Winter Olympics. Purely. Right, okay. I'd say that for kind of a bad reason in that we had to fix a bunch of stuff whilst it was running. <laughs> but, um, there was a lots of new, new types of challenges for that one, like achievement ratio leapfrogging and like mm. bouncing between two ratios and stuff. So the the code was quite a bit more complex for that. Yeah, the, the game collection integration was a good addition as well. 
Yep, I know I've made a use of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we also just before we did the uh, we announced, well we did all the tenth birthday stuff. We fixed the unobtainable achievements in the True Achievements Xbox One app. I think it was four, was it? Got uh, discontinued after Microsoft removed the snap feature. So we fixed them, and we added some new filters on game and achievement pages. So I think it was just generally standardizing a lot of them because there was different filters and made them look a bit prettier across everything mm-hmm. which has been great uh, let's have a look at some of the big things we wanted to talk about so as you can imagine q1 was, was a period that one of mark's favorite games ever released <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can so you can expect some of that uh right so the first one is we did a, a story the top five next steps for the assassin's creed franchise this was obviously before assassin's creed odyssey been announced yeah so this this one was interesting to me because it was one of our top red ones in in uh quarter one and I, I wrote it kind of thinking basically almost everything that i wrote in that article didn't come true um so <laughs> it's an interesting one to look at but um so at the time we thought that um that we might get a stealthier spin-off at some point we thought that um there would be more sci-fi elements which kind of were in in odyssey um, but we thought that it was the story was going to carry on with either Bayek or Aya, and that obviously didn't happen. Uh, thought they might do some kind of Dark Souls-style multiplayer, which didn't happen at all. Um, and finally, we thought they were going to take another year off. So absolutely nothing that, that we thought might happen <laughs> happened. But Nailed in it. the end, obviously, Odyssey did pretty well for itself. So what do we know? Um, I love how you wrote this and you put in we to it. Like cool. <laughs> that, I should say that is something that I always struggle with because so often I'm really just writing these features from my point of view, but I often attribute it to we because I sounds kind of like I'm taking all the credit or all the blame or whatever it might be for that story. But it's just it always feels wrong to write the I, but then you write we and it's kind of dishonest. But then yeah, you just drag <laughs> other people down with you, I guess. I think a new rule for 2019 was if something is correct, we use we. <laughs> edit, edit it to I, I Sam. <laughs> well, this for... it's 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 interesting to note that after I wrote this completely uh, completely untrue article, I then disappeared from Xbox completely and moved to PlayStation in disgrace. <laughs> With your tail between your legs, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose you got kind of a bit right because Odyssey was obviously already in development but now they are taking another year off so I I suppose I can give you a tick for that one. Yeah and I did mention that we thought they might go in a more RPG direction as well which obviously they did to great success so so yeah there was a couple of moments of truth in there but it was mostly just nonsense. (laughs) Okay Uh, we also got the uh, pretty awesome announcement that all future Xbox exclusives will be launching day one in Xbox Game Pass, which I think everybody probably will make use of at some point throughout the life of the Xbox One. Yeah, I thought this was quite interesting because at the time I remember thinking, well, what does it matter? You know, there's not a huge amount of exclusives and it seemed almost like a bit of a, oh dear, we're a bit worried about our exclusives. We better launch them for cheap. But obviously as the year went on and they and Xbox had such a good year of communicating out about their plans for the future, I think this story actually has more weight by the end of the year than it did at the beginning because we're now looking forward to not only all of these new companies uh, potentially releasing all these new games, but knowing that they're only going to cost us, you know, seven or eight pounds a month to to give a go. It's uh, it's a pretty exciting time to be an Xbox player, I think. Yeah, 
it's also important to note that this will probably push others to do something similar. I don't know if Nintendo would do it, but you've got to, I mean, I at least imagine that Sony will, will do something like this within the next mm. few years. So it's just kind of, it's just good for the, the competitive angle of, of the, you know, console war or whatever you want to call it these days. But usually what one does, the other goes and chases like, you know, Xbox, I think games with gold only came about because PlayStation started giving away games in the first place, right? With mm. PS plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously trophies came along after achievements as yeah. well. So yeah. yeah, but as well, if you can be a little bit patient as well, you know, like some of these stuff, they regularly do these, you know, a month for a dollar or a pound or whatever. Yeah. So like, so like, if you didn't want to, if you like, imagine playing Forza Horizon, which I'm supposed it's definitely going to win probably the best racing game of the year in pretty much everybody's poll, I imagine. Mm. If you can wait a little bit and then just pick up a month and play it, that's a, a, an absolute bargain. You said a sixty-five dollars or whatever it is nowadays. Definitely a good thing for the industry. Uh, we got some old PlayStation exclusives. I remember the PlayStation was the indie darling at the beginning of the generation. They've had quite a few that have been timed exclusive. So we've had a few re- released on the Xbox this year. So some of the biggest ones we got: Hellblade and No Man's Sky this year. Yeah, this has started to become a bit of a running theme that it was a bit of a surprise. I, I don't think PlayStation really advertised that that some of these were going to be timed exclusives. And then they, they kind of just been cropping up all the way throughout the year um, without without really much warning. So we had Hellblade and No Man's Sky were the big ones at the beginning of the year. But even later on, we had um, uh, things like uh, The Gardens Between came out of nowhere, suddenly was on Xbox. And um, yeah. later on, we had, I think uh, even yesterday, we had Donut County turn up. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it just it's interesting that it was a running theme that the Xbox have actually quietly been stealing some of the smaller exclusives away from PlayStation. And even the opposite way, like PUBG coming to the PS4 now. Yeah. After. True. The I, I keep falling for these these awesome looking indies not coming to Xbox and I you know, I prefer to play an Xbox for the achievements and just to have it on my profile. But mm. when something looks great and it's not on this platform, I'll I'll go and play it on PS4. So I've done that too many times to count i don't even want to calculate the dollars i spent on games buying them twice because they eventually came to xbox again anyway <laughs> so i finally learned my lesson and right now there's an awesome looking like survival horror game type type of thing it's not like more survival game than actual straight up survival horror but it's called the forest it's on yeah. playstation it looks great but i'm assuming it's one of those secretly timed exclusive ones that they don't want anybody to to figure out is actually time exclusive. So I'm, I'm doing my best to just not buy it or play it right now and hope it comes to Xbox later. Yeah, it's the same with Steam now, to be honest. Anytime I see the internet go wild over a Steam game that's just come out, I just think, oh, wait a year, it will come yeah. to a console. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing The Forest uh, on Steam a while back. Yeah. So that kind of proves that correct, really. Lots of people yeah. were hyping it up when it, when it came out on PC. Yeah. And they'll probably come out uh, through ID Xbox or something. Mm-hmm. I, reckon. I hope so. I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of these developers, a lot of the smaller ones at least, they concentrate on one console or one console and Steam, you know, to launch on just for cost, basically get a bit mm-hmm. of money quick and probably get a bit more publicity, you know, if it's launching on one and not the other. Let's go to some games that released in Q1. There was um, a little known pirate game that released. I don't think we've talked about that much this year it was called sea of thieves i thought you were talking about atlas <laughs> no that, that's that's the good one that's coming <laughs> Uh-oh. started off strong mark 
well, I mean, I don't know what more I could say about this wonderful game that I haven't already said and probably led many to mute me on Twitter. Uh, I was going to say, we've all been wondering what more can he say? And yet <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, so I, re- I reviewed this game when it came out. Didn't didn't know what to really expect. I, you know, to be honest, I, I was tracking it as just like an Xbox exclusive. And that's interesting in its own right, just because they don't have many of those. Uh, I wasn't too excited. And then I, I really enjoyed the beta. And then I remember saying to Dave, like, hey, maybe maybe I could do this review. And I, I actually just played it from Game Pass because, you know, there, I don't think there were any pre-release reviews anyways, because you need to wait for the world to be populated. And I really liked it more than most. And I I thought it was kind of fun to defend and, and see it in a different light than most because I didn't really agree with the no the cries of no content at the time. I mean, I I, I was sympathetic to that view, but I you know ultimately I gave it a four out of five, which was higher. I think right now it has like a sixty nine or sixty eight on Metacritic, and then it kind of went to the next level about a month and a half later when they did the first major content drop, and it was one of the coolest gaming moments of the year for me i'm sure none of you played it uh and probably even few listeners played it because the whole site hates it except for me but uh basically it had you teaming up so you know you your crew can only be four players but in the hungering deep the first the first major expansion it had you teaming up you had to you couldn't defeat this megalodon new enemy like gigantic shark you couldn't defeat it without at least five players so at a minimum you needed to go out and recruit one guy who wasn't in your crew and kind of formed this uneasy alliance of, okay, I'm, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We've all got the same objective. We want to defeat this thing. Let's, you know, let's let bygones be bygones here. And nobody attacked each other. And rares talked a lot about how the, you know, st- they can, they can track like player behaviors online. And that really altered the game, uh, you know, very much so while the campaign was going on, but then even permanently too. And, there became this whole offshoot of hashtag sea of friends and uh you know it was it it totally transformed the game and and they've they've done that about every six to eight weeks actually they just keep bringing new things so they brought 15 new islands to it in what is basically the game's hard mode because it's like full of volcanoes and tremors and and superheated water uh they, they brought new skeleton ships even though they always said every ship in the game would be uh, a human ship and then players said well actually we would really like some pve ship battle so they said fine we'll do that don't don't let this become the sea of thieves podcast but (laughs) i i've not actually played much many rare games over my course of my life and i know they're like a beloved uh development development house Mm. and i was always on the outside looking in for that but with sea of thieves i i can understand the charm and and i you know not having played much many of those but knowing what they're about i can see that it, it carries that same sort of flavor that people love rare for and now i find myself just like appreciating this the studio so greatly yeah and and you know i was pretty hard on on cfes on the podcast yeah, you we were. With, what, what's with, that about <laughs> with darren um i mean i think looking back on it now the main thing for me is it, this is a game that should kind of appeal to me um but I, looking back on my year in gaming, I was clearly really hungry to have lots and lots of different experiences this year. This is the most current games I've ever played in a year, I think. Mm-hmm. And in years past, like when Minecraft was was really blowing up and going and porting to every single device known to man, I pretty much spent the entire year playing Minecraft on one one version or another. And I think it's a similar thing where a lot of people go into Minecraft and go, I don't really get it. I don't really understand what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and they walk away from it. But if you're in the right mood for 
something where you create your own stories, create your own experiences. It can really hook you in. I think it's just a matter of being in the right mood. And unfortunately, I think people, a lot of people were going into Sea of Thieves not expecting that kind of Minecraft build your own experience thing. They were expecting something else. Um, not that Rare did anything to to make people expect that, really. I think a lot of people just kind of imagined a lot more than, than was actually being released. Um so yeah, I think in another life, in another dimension, I probably would be a big Sea of Thieves fan, but it just, it wasn't the right year for me. Um, maybe one, at some point, a, a lot of that content you were talking about actually sounds pretty cool. So maybe I'll get a game pass at some point again and and, and dip back in. But yeah, we'll see. Unfortunately, at the time, I was just being a little bit too cantankerous to, to uh, get involved with it. I was going to ask about all the different content they've um, released for it, because I've seen like all the different announcements they've made. And... Would you say they're all on the same par, Mark? All the different like kind of expansions they've done to the game, or are there things in there which aren't as good as as the rest? If you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I actually I ran a Twitter poll. I, I've I've built quite a Sea of Thieves echo chamber in my in my Twitter timeline these days. So I asked all the Twitter all the Sea of Thieves fans on my Twitter which content update they like, and overwhelmingly the fans. You know, maybe it's recency bias, but they all mostly voted for. Uh, shrouded spoils which is the most recent one which is funny because the other three added like true campaigns and like storylines that you could follow uh but this this one this one didn't do that but it kind of just made everything more robust so now the krakens that have been in there since launch now they attack even if you're a solo sailor and they're balanced better according to what size crew you have, you know. So it, it might sound overwhelming to be attacked by the Kraken when you're all by yourself, but it'll also be easier to defeat that way, uh, assuming you know what you're doing. And now, like the Megalodon, there are five different Megalodons. They they each have different aesthetics, and I think even slightly different personalities. They some of them seem to charge more than others. Some some of them are just kind of passive, and they only attack when when they're when they're shot at first uh but yeah now the cur- now the you know from curse sails the the skeleton ships just roam the world and some of them will assault you some of them won't and uh i mean certainly they all do if you if you start something with them but yeah just it's just this latest one just kind of made everything you know it made forts more common instead of waiting three hours in between forts now it's like 10 or 15 minutes between forts which are like the big really lucrative enemy strongholds i think in destiny it'd be equivalent to a raid or something i'm not sure i've not played destiny but yeah it's just i don't know it for that's why i wrote that that story recently you know i said if you if you're still saying sea of thieves has no content you're not paying attention I, i think now more than ever that's true i think each update's been awesome but this this latest one, it just makes the open waters so much busier than they've ever been to an extent that like now I'm kind of even more sympathetic to the people that said it had no content because I really liked it what it what what the game was at in March, but seeing what it is now, I'm like, okay, well I think a lot of those people just wanted it to be this. Not that I have any money in the matter, but I I do hope, uh, just as as just someone who roots for the game, I do hope. Uh, that people give it another chance if they ditched it months ago because it's very busy now. <laughs> yeah, I think fine. I'll give it another go, Mark. <laughs> I think, yeah, I was talking to you, Sam. <laughs> I think for me, maybe I'm falling into the trap a little bit of what you just said, but the content is clearly there now. There's loads of different stuff you can do, but it, what are the rewards like? That's my big thing because it's all cosmetic. I'm or it used to be when I played it. Everything yeah. you could win from doing stuff was just 
for show, basically. <laughs> I think it will always be straight cosmetic. I tend to like that approach because then no matter when you join, especially with the game and game pass, new people are, are picking it up for the first time every day. No matter when you join, you're not at a disadvantage in this shared open world to like a player who's been playing since launch and has the best of everything. Like you would never stand a chance to that person. And it would get extremely frustrating given that it is a game about pirates. You know, some people yeah. are already discouraged by the fact that you could just be robbed at the open seas by another player. And there's still a a skill curve there, but it all just comes from experience, like the, like real actual experience, not like an in-game. I mean, there is an XP system, but you're, you're right. It just gives you like titles to to use and, and, and clothes and different cosmetic things like that. But I mean, the, the arena comes out next month. It's going to be like a separate server. So now like the main game is going to be adventure mode. And then there's going to be arena mode, which is like short burst, uh, more action packed, like I think it's going to be PVP focused mostly and mm. it's going to be like different challenges like head to head this crew versus that crew and maybe there exclusively in the arena mode they'll they'll add different things that, that that go beyond just cosmetics they haven't said that yet so that's just me speculating I don't want to get the wrong word out there but I I could see them maybe doing it just there but I think the adventure mode will always stay cosmetic only and I I actually like it that way. <laughs> fair enough. I think it's a fair point. I'm just, I guess I'm just the kind of person that just wants to be able to dominate someone else really easily. But, you know, it's, it's whatever floats your boat, really. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, pardon the pun. Moving on, is that the last we hear of Sea of Thieves? I doubt not. Moving on to another game that launched that quarter, a game that Rich absolutely adored, which is Far Cry 5. I've played the very early initial part of the game where I suppose it's like the very first island and then I did the multiplayer which was terrible but I think that's been pretty much every Far Cry game that I've ever played as a terrible multiplayer. Mark did you get through the story with it? Yeah I actually I even finished the achievement list which I've done for most of the Far Cries lately I have to go back and finish Primal but uh, I, I was really I, I wanted Rich here and maybe he'll listen to this I really wanted to interrogate him about about how this could be his game of the generation because it is good, but it's good in that that I think very bland Ubisoft way where it's like it's a solid B. I've said this, I think I've said this on the TA playlist podcast before. I was talking with other staff recently in our staff Discord about this. Like everything Ubisoft does, it just is. It's like they're aiming to be all around good. And, and never great. And I think Sam will disagree in uh, maybe later, but because I know he still loves Assassin's Creed after all these years. But it, it's just, I don't know, like, how could Far Cry be the game of the generation? It's just Far Cry. It's it's like every other Far Cry. And, and that means it's it's good and it's fun. And then you move on. And like when the credits roll in a Ubisoft game, I, they don't stick with me. And they're just, they're fun in the time. And even then, I think sometimes they're not so fun. They just appeal to some part of my gamer brain that likes to check all the boxes that Ubisoft throws at you. Rich isn't here to defend himself, but <laughs> I'll, I'll hear his response later. But I just, it was good, but it's just Far Cry again. I, I thought at least, what would you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it uh, like extensively at all, but my first impressions of it were basically like, yeah, this is just a slightly updated version of every other far cry game that i've seen and played i've played far cry 3 a lot and i did enjoy it to be fair it's like you said they're not like unenjoyable but yeah it's, i kind of agree with you wholeheartedly i don't see yeah. how he was so enamored over it 
<laughs> Let, let's just let's just put down all of Rich's opinions whilst he's not here. That's uh, <laughs> so. that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick it up, but I mean, it's telling that the only Far Cry game that I've bothered to to play through is Primal because it was the only one that ever seemed to be trying to do something drastically different. Um, mm-hmm. I never really saw a lot. I've never had much appeal anyway for, for first person shooters in general, uh, especially if they're kind of in a generic setting with just loads of guns to choose from and loads of people to kill. But Primal at least had a had a unique setting because no one had read it. No one's really ever done a prehistoric set um, game like that before. So yeah, when Far Cry Five was announced, I was just I just saw it as a as a return back to where they were before rather than a step forward. So um, so yeah, it really didn't didn't do much for me. For years, I've kind of felt this way about Ubisoft that everything's good, nothing's ever great, and they're kind of happy that way because then they they catch probably the most number of buyers and players that way. So I, I get why they do it. But for years, I, I would I would say that. But then I'd always say, "Oh, but Far Cry is the exception." For some reason, Far Cry was 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 still really fun for me. I loved, I even loved two. I, I don't think I played before two, but three, four, Primal, Blood Dragon. I, I liked all those, and that was like the one that hadn't grown stale on me yet. And then five was actually the one where, like, midway through, I was like, "Okay, it's it's finally here." Like the that that Ubisoft formula is is now seeping in too much to this one and. Or just into me. I think it was always there, but now I'm I'm finally over it. And, and you know, I'll play New Dawn, which was just announced, but I, I think it'll just be me chasing map icons again. And I don't know how much I'm actually enjoying it sometimes when I'm doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know what you're going to get, which I guess is a it's a blessing and a curse in yeah, some ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a game that also released uh, Celeste, and I think you reviewed that one, didn't you, Sam? Yeah, this was my first and only five out of five um, on TA, actually. So uh, this game just completely took me by surprise and uh, and blew me away. It's, it's basically a uh, retro 16-bit looking, or even less than that, perhaps, um, platformer. So you just have a single screen on each uh, each part of the platform you go through. It's just a single screen. You've got to traverse from one side to the other. Very sort of simple sounding, straightforward. From screenshots, you wouldn't really necessarily think too much of it apart from the fact that it's a very pretty looking game but it's just it's one it's the most perfectly balanced platformer i think i've played in a long long time um it's it's just very very snappy very quick a uh, bit like super meat boy you if you uh, die you just instantly come back and, and start that that screen again um so there's no kind of frustration of of waiting around to to restart a checkpoint or anything like that and uh, the the soundtrack is incredible. It's it's one of my it's it's a kind of chip tuney kind of soundtrack, but it's it, it's a really beautiful, really uh, nuanced bit of bit of work. And and the story was really surprisingly good as well. The the story actually goes into a lot of depth about anxiety and depression and mental health and things like that. So even though this is a fantastical story about a girl trying to climb a a mythical mountain it kind of delves into to fighting off your inner demons quite literally at one point um and 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 kind of the worst parts of yourself and and all the other characters are have got their own things that they're struggling with as well and it's in it's it's all done really really simply there's not actually a hell of a lot of story there not a huge amount of dialogue but it just does just enough to to get the point across it's 
one of the most efficient games I've played in terms of the gameplay and the story, uh, in terms of getting everything across. And and yeah, every time I've played one of these big, big, beautiful AAA games since, I've I've still reflected back and thought, actually, Celeste is still up there for me as as the biggest surprise of the year. And and um, Mark knows very well that that it's been on my mind because you kindly sent me a uh, Celeste pin that you picked up from from Pax, <laughs> uh, which I was very grateful about. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's going to stick with me this one, and I'm certainly going to be looking forward to anything else that Matt makes games produces and, and anything else that uh, Lena Rain, the the composer produces as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it was my biggest surprise for sure. Yeah. I think you're the only one that played it, unfortunately, but I, I think really Ollie played it. I, played I, it. I didn't complete it, but I mm. pretty much agree with you on most of those points. I didn't, mm. I don't have so much to say about the story because obviously I haven't gotten to the end, but I do have a soft spot for platformers and especially when they're done as well as Celeste's like the movement and, and how snappy it is and, and the way it introduces the mechanics of the game to you at like just the perfect rate. That's the thing mm. that stuck out to me the most. Definitely. Yeah. Like how each world introduces its mechanics to you and, and, and the, and the rate at which it gives you new information about certain things. And there's yeah. stuff like that, which makes a, a, like it's just really good game design and it doesn't need to like overtly tell you anything in some situations you just work it out yourself and it makes you feel like you know you've accomplished something in a way so yeah I yeah yeah and i think i think you're right i think each each new world kind of it, it um it introduces a new mechanic and then it just very gradually ratchets up the complexity of using that mechanic in such a way that it feels natural by the time you get to a complicated multi-screen bit of platforming you you feel confident that you understand what benefits that particular item is going to give you um and that's that's a that's a big deal and and the other thing i was going to mention actually is that celeste was the start for me of a of a bit of a theme throughout the year of accessibility and trying to be more inclusive in terms of who can play games and and uh if people are finding certain games difficult including the settings that will allow them to to reduce different parts of the of the game uh, in terms of its complexity, and Celeste was the first big one to do that for me. So, you know, it it, it gives you this assist mode that um, you can basically tweak any part of the game, whether it's the amount of lives you have, the um, amount of jumps you can perform in succession before you have to hit platform. Uh, things like invincibility if you're just stuck on a certain bit, you can you can kind of skip through that. And the developers say, you know, we've we've um, we've we've designed this game to be a good experience the way it is we'd prefer you to play it the way that we've designed it but we appreciate that not everyone is going to be able to play it this way so here's a bunch of settings where you can decide to to make this game as difficult or as complicated as as you need it to be to get through it and and that was a big deal for me as well particularly around with those themes of anxiety and stress and mental health in the game itself it made sense to me that you know, they didn't want to stress people out actually playing the game as well. So it's a bit, a bit of a theme that went on. We saw in a lot of games later on in the year. Uh, and obviously Xbox had a huge year for for making things more accessible for people. Um, so it's something I've been really glad to see uh, throughout the year. Okay, and then moving on to another game that I wanted to talk about, which is A Way Out. I don't know if any of you have played it. I did, yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Rich Rich wants to play it with me at some point. He, he's not got around to it yet. So he said we were going to try and play it together. We'll see whether that happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was from the people, I think they, they actually made a new studio, but it was the same kind of team who made Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which if you've played that, you'll know it had like a really quirky kind of control scheme where you controlled one brother with the left thumbstick and one brother with the right thumbstick, and it took a bit of getting used to, but 
it was a, a decent little puzzle puzzle game and it had an interesting story, I thought. And then A Way Out seemed like a, a natural kind of progression for them. So it was a story based on two characters and you play, it's only available in co-op and you, one of you plays one character, one of you plays the other. But the whole game, whether you, even if you're playing like online with somebody else, the game's in split screen constantly so you can kind of see what the other character's doing. And I just thought they did it really well where it was always interesting. You might have a quiet moment, you know, where you're doing like a conversation because a lot of it was kind of walking around and talking to people and easy-ish puzzles and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then there'd always be something on the other screen or you're, the other person who wasn't doing the conversation was free to you know, just go wandering around and explore the world and mess about with stuff. And there was... I don't know, there was little things in the world to discover that you could do. There was games, mini games you could play. Like the achievements were similar to Brothers as well in that you could play the game without getting any of the achievements. And they were all tied to little things like you could play baseball and stuff like that with your co-op partner. And then they had these really, I thought they were really cool little segments where the game had changed from being like a third-person view suddenly it'd be a top-down game, and then other times it'd be like a, an old arcade-style 2D fighting game, and it was just and there was a sequence in it that it kept transitioning between the two characters, but it was like one continual shot where it'd go you know, through an air vent, and then you follow the other characters, so you'd have a pause while they were doing something, then like maybe they'd fly through a door and it'd cross over and the camera would follow your character running past. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a really well done game there was a few little janky bits in it because it's obviously a relatively small team that developed it but i was really impressed with it and thought they like it was one of them games that was developed published by ea and under their little id well not yeah, ID, yeah, but yeah. originals yeah yeah and i thought it was a, a really good experience and the price of it and the fact that it allowed you to kind of if you bought it, you could invite a friend to play it. If they didn't buy it, they wouldn't unlock achievements and things. But you could, you know, still find something to play. I thought it was a really good title. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. It, I think it had some dialogue problems that I'd be interested to hear Sam's thoughts on when he plays it too. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I I played it with uh, with my partner Emma, and it kind of kicked off a year of awesome co op games for us. We played that, and then she got really into Left 4 Dead for a while. And then we moved on to Halo, but uh, but yeah, A Way Out was kind of the the one that that lit that match, and definitely one of the coolest co op experiences on Xbox, and probably one of my favorite co op co op experiences ever, just because of the way it implements everything, and it just you bounce off your partner in such cool ways throughout the whole thing. And then there's like I had a pretty, I don't know if you thought it was like I didn't think it was going to end the way it did, like it was pretty surprising to me how it ended. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say without it's ruining yeah, it for can't, people, but can't, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there was a, a couple of other big releases that month that none of us have really played or anything. Oh, that period, sorry. Burnout Remastered came out, Burnout Paradise Remastered, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, South Park The Stick of Truth, Cube 2, it was on Games with Gold recently. Uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance, I know that got a lot of love and hate. It seemed like a, a janky RPG, but it was. <laughs> some of it was really well done, some of it not so well done, but let's move on to Q2. So, uh, some new site things we did in that period. We did uh, the viral event, which was a chance for people to 
set up sessions if they got like a viral achievement where you could like normally multiplayer, you know, somebody kills you and they automatically unlock that achievement. So we did a big thing around that. That was a return. And then we also got E3, which we'll go over a little bit later on. But some of the bigger stories. So we had uh, Shadow of War. Remember, we had the the microtransactions where people could kind of speed up a lot of the grinding. Mm. There was a, a debate whether it was intentional grinding to make people put that in or not, but they eventually dropped them. Yeah, so so this was interesting to me because this, for me at least, was where this massive story from 2017 finally started to drop off. I mean, I know it's still grumbling on. We've got a lot of countries still saying they're going to look into loot boxes and microtransactions as a way to penalize certain developers. Um, and uh, but, but here was, in this particular quarter, we had EA come out and apologize profusely for the Battlefront mess um, and obviously Shadow of War finally just dropped the black market from the game completely. So they just got rid of all microtransactions and... As um, as Mark was saying about Sea of Thieves, they they not only do they have uh, cosmetic only uh, things in the game, but there's no there's no there's no kind of loot boxes whatsoever. Um, so I think this was kind of the, the the end of that particular screaming match that went on throughout most of 2017. <laughs> it's obviously it was replaced by a few other things, which I think we'll get onto, uh, particularly with Sony. But but yeah, so it's, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys feel. I've never never felt too hugely fussed about microtransactions or loot boxes, but obviously I'm not in the scary demographic of, of you know, kids and vulnerable people who might get hooked on that kind of thing, um, uh, uh, you know, because it, it is similar to a gambling addiction in some ways. I can certainly see how that's the case, but certainly in games like uh, Assassin's Creed's had, had sort of speed up uh, you know, pay two quid to speed things up and, and Forza's had, you know, pay a couple of quid and you can see everything on the map and that's never bothered yeah. me. If people want to do that then then fine. As long as it's as long as it's upfront about what you're getting for your money. I I've not really got a problem with microtransactions well, in general. What so Assassin's Creed's a great example. Um Forza a little different, I guess. I, I, I like having the stuff on the map. Mm. Um but Assassin's Creed and, and I guess Shadow of War, I kind of forget how that one worked because I didn't use it. But I remember Origins, the way Origins did it last year, and Odyssey probably does it this year for Assassins. Uh, so the entire process strikes me as so bizarre. So you they build a game with all this content, and then you buy the game to play the content, but then they offer you paid shortcuts so you don't have to play the game. Mm-hmm. And people buy it voluntarily. And I, I don't understand. That is such a strange proposition. Why Why would I buy the game only to then pay more money to skip the game I bought. You yeah. know, like, I, don't, uh, I guess it doesn't do that, does it? It's kind of like a, a time saver in that, like time savers. But Odyssey wasn't, Odyssey I didn't think was as bad as Origins no. for me. Origins Maybe. had a, uh, there was a, I raced, I was racing through the final kind of chapters of Origins and I thought it went on probably a bit too long anyway. And then there was a, a bit where I just hit a brick wall completely where the last couple of missions were way above what the level I was. And I didn't seem to have a lot of side missions or objectives or anything around, you know, available. So I had to actually hunt them down. Whereas Odyssey seemed to have, a, I, I always constantly had a, a supply of stuff, you know, to do if I wanted to. Hmm. And I did it a brick wall for maybe a couple of levels, but I remember Origins seemed to be like, it felt like five or six levels I had to level up before I could 
move on and stand a chance. Right, but but it's well, okay. So that's an RPG thing, and you you don't like RPGs so much. But so I understand your your point of view on that. But people that <laughs> presumably enjoy the genre bought the game because they like Assassin's Creed as a franchise. They like RPGs as a genre. But then they pay more money so they don't have to play the game that they that they wanted to play. Just the entire proposition is is strange to me, and especially given the fact that it works, it obviously was working for a while. I, I think you know I think Sam's right that we've kind of the death blows have been dealt and the tides are kind of turning now and it's it's going away. And Sea of Thieves has actually talked about their one microtransaction they may have in the future is pets. They haven't mm-hmm. implemented that yet, but I think next year there'll be like cats and monkeys and parrots and stuff, and those might be a couple dollars each. But yeah, generally I think they're going away. But just some of these, the way the single player games do it, like like Middle Earth and like Assassins, it's like here's the sixty dollar game that you've been anticipating, and for for five easy payments of three ninety nine, you can skip the game so you don't have to play it. It's like, well, well what was the point in buying it then? Yeah, I, I mean, know. I mean, to be to be fair, the one thing that Ubisoft do do is that quite a lot of that stuff you can purchase with um, with their Ubisoft Very Club free. stuff. So yeah. the fact that I've been playing Ubisoft games for so long, I've I've built up a quite a quite a cache of of those kind of gold coins that they do so i, I don't know it's, it's probably a bit generalizing to say like you're, you're skipping the game it's, it's mainly that you're you're potentially skipping having to do certain parts of the game and i guess to me that's no different than enforcer saying you don't have to go and find all the boards yourself if you pay two pounds you can get all the boards revealed i mean that's that's what a lot of the time savers boil down to in assassin's creed is here's everything on the map you know here's all the treasure chests or here's all the you know ships or, or whatever it is they've been doing it since um black flag and I, I know a lot of that black flag it was just about revealing all of the all of the stuff on the map so i don't know i i mean uh, i haven't paid the extra money and i wouldn't but at the same time i also just i don't mind that it exists if there is a market for it it's not affecting my game so i i don't, I don't mind where it where it becomes a problem is is more in the multiplayer, multiplayer when yeah. even though it makes more sense in multiplayer as you said mark it doesn't make so much sense in single player it's mm. actually more damaging in multiplayer because sure. because of the advantage that you get and obviously yeah. the fact that so much of it is loot box based so but don't, yeah. don't you think i sorry i know we're only in quarter two here and probably <laughs> going long, but don't you think there, there to me there's a fundamental difference because i was actually seeing your point regarding you know the forts uh pay, paying to know where the where the boards are is kind of the same as paying the assassin's creed time savers but i think there's a fundamental difference between in forza you pay to get the boards on your map and you still have to go and drive through them and, and smash them and assassin's creed if if i'm not mistaken aren't some of the time savers just giving you the gear that you need like you can just i mean or it's at least the resources to then immediately go and make the gear like you might be staring at an item you want in Origins or Odyssey, the way the the way the gear works now and the weapons, you don't have the resources for it. You could a go retrieve those resources in the world, or b buy them immediately and immediately craft that item. That's that's different. That eliminates any of the gameplay portion no, of it. You, you still have to go and get the actual item to be able to upgrade it anyway. What do you mean? Yeah, and and I guess the the part of the game that you're removing is running around and picking up sticks. So it's not yeah, but, it's not you're not missing out a huge part of the content. But, but then at that point, Ubisoft should just make better mechanics. <laughs> yeah, they're introducing these mechanics yeah. just to sell parts of it. You can't just say that I want the best sword in the game and make it. Yeah, you have to upgrade swords. You have to complete missions and things still to 
loot those swords off people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even the stuff that a lot, of, the only resource stuff really was the boat the stuff, upgrading your ship. But even then, you had to go and find tablets and things by completing like camps and little stuff like that. You couldn't just go right. I want to upgrade my ship to maximum at the start of the game. Mm. And to me, it's, it's it's again, it's kind of leaning into the accessibility thing I was talking about earlier. I mean, at least Ubisoft, the, the the word they use for it, time saver, is 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 literally what they're trying to pitch. Is that if you want to play this game through and you want to see all of the different parts of it and you want to be overpowered, like like Ollie was saying, you know, he likes to feel overpowered in games. We can offer you that for a, a small price. Um, you know, whether I could agree. <laughs> That they should actually offer it, you know, whether it should actually just be free anyway. I mean, obviously that's a, a different thing, issue. Thing but... is, you're not really overpowered, are you? Because no. it's not like you can upgrade yourself to level fifty. No, no, you can't do level, that. No. Level two enemies, you can't because the enemies will upgrade with you as well. So but if you're, you're you know, if it's the kind anything. of thing where, like, for example, if you're annoyed that you're not getting the hang of the ship combat, for example, you can upgrade your ship very quickly by using some of those time savers by, you know, get, like paying two pounds and you get all the resources you need to upgrade the ship so that then you know you can avoid the the ship combat you know if you're if you're finding that frustrating but equally at the same time you can just choose to for free avoid ship stuff as much as possible and that's another way to yeah, do it it might that, take you a bit that I like yeah. Um, yeah i've, I've heard odyssey lets you skip most of that and that, yeah that's- <laughs> and, and and like i said i don't understand why people would pay for most of these things they're just for me I it's not extortionate and it doesn't it doesn't impact my ability to enjoy the game how I want to play it then I don't mind if it's certainly some reviewers or you know some amateur reviewers think I want to get a review out for this quickly I'll pay the extra couple of quid to be able to to be able to get access to some of the stuff that would that would take me a grind normally you know that that kind of thing I don't I don't really mind and and Ubisoft probably won't stop doing that kind of stuff now I don't think of all the kind of microtransactions around I think they're going to keep getting away with it because they're at least upfront about what it is and what it will do. Yeah. You just don't want them to implement a grind on purpose so that they can make more people no. try and skip it, which is like kind of a yeah. blurred line. Like, d- did they make this one mechanic more frustrating intentionally? Because if they did, I think it's quite a bad like reflection of a way to sell games. Well, I th- really. Yeah. I think that's where Shadow of War really came yeah, into a bit definitely. of stick, didn't it? Because it, it saved you. A, like, I, I didn't progress that far in the game, to be honest, but I believe it was around about 10 hours or something like that. You could save by purchasing something quickly. But yeah. I don't know, Assassin's Creed, you still got to complete those missions in Assassin's Creed, haven't you? I mean, it might save you some time in. It also side more up. often than not, yeah, it, it gives saves you time in getting to side stuff, which you can also just forget about. Whereas, yeah, Shadow of War, it was it was saving you time to get through the actual game. Um, it was yeah. that was a big problem with it, but yeah. So I guess this problem hasn't really gone away. Like I said at the beginning, of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Battlefront was particularly bad with it. One Battle Battlefront two, yeah, and the, the NBA games, NBA two K, yeah, basketball yeah. games, they were pretty bad where you could purchase player upgrades and stuff like that which helped online i guess yeah hasn't the latest black ops got some stuff in it that people don't like or am i completely mistaken about that some micro micro transactions they usually don't have them at launch yeah they they, they did have some some market stuff that people were a little bit sketchy about and obviously uh, red dead online's had had some 
debates about their economy, although I think that's more that just the in-game economy is broken than than that the paid stuff is too extortionate. But yeah, it's still something that people are clearly trying to navigate. These they they need to you know they've all set this up as part of their yearly profit margins. They need to try and make it work somehow. But at the same time, there's so much public black backlash that they. You know they're having to adjust quite quickly to plans they've probably had in motion for a couple of years to to the fact that everyone's reacted so poorly. So I don't think it's quite gone away, and we'll probably see a few hiccups along the way as people try and adjust to it. Even if they get rid of microtransactions per se, as in being able to buy in game, you still get the stuff like um, pre-ordering. You get you know ten hours of double yeah. XP or something like yeah. that, which is always going to help people in it so i don't sure. i don't it's going to be around in it yeah um, moving on <laughs> uh we got oh sam did some uh looking at the vita yeah so i i did a stat story on tt which blew up a fair amount um probably in a bad way because people didn't like what i was saying about the vita but um so this year we'd had we'd already had the 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 fact that the vita games were going to come off of ps plus that's not happened yeah that's happening in march 2019 there's not going to be any vita games available on the free games of the month from from march next year and uh physical vita games have been cancelled so there's no production of physical vita cartridges anymore um so i did a bit of digging into what's kind of keeping the vita going i'd noticed that there was quite a lot of seemingly easy trophy lists coming up and i did a bit of uh stats digging and and basically between the vita's um launch uh, a few years ago and now the the progression in terms of the games that were most played has steadily dropped from iconic uh, exclusive Vita only things like there was an Uncharted game that was only on Vita there was Tearaway and it's devolved into these games that are pretty poorly made um, very basic platformer or uh, word puzzle kind of games that, that you can complete in seconds because the people who design the trophy lists have uh, knowingly made a trophy list that's quite easy to complete and they, they're kind of going after trophy hunters to a certain extent, extent to um to uh, sell their games, basically, and and often to fund other projects that they're working on. They put out a cheap game uh, with easy trophies. Um, so we found all the stats, and actually Kotaku picked it up, and uh, they then went went and talked to one of the developers of, of the game that was at the top of our list, a uh, little adventure on the prairie, and he, he fessed up. He said, yeah, I designed this janky game that I knew people would be able to complete <laughs> really quick because I was working on another project, and I wanted people to buy it. So he, he targeted... Um, he targeted trophy hunters, uh, you know, put out a game for three pounds or whatever it was, um, knowing that he would get a reasonable amount of people buying it, particularly on the Vita, uh, where there's not a lot of other players around anymore, apart from sort of either dedicated diehard Vita fans and people who have it around and they want to get maximise the amount of trophies they can get off it before they sell it on. And yeah, he took he took advantage of that to a certain extent. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he, he certainly said that you know that was a major factor in in designing that game. Yeah, and and there was quite a bit of backlash on that. Uh, a lot of Vita diehards, as I said, were were kind of saying there's you know there's lots of other things going on. But unfortunately, as we've seen quite a lot throughout this year with our stats stories on both sites, um, you know the stats speak to themselves quite a lot, and and it just kind of showed that really the top ten games on Vita in, in the last couple of months really have been just these janky, weird, platformery kind of things that you can complete in, in a matter of 10 minutes or so. So it, it might be that, that lots of consoles and handhelds in the future will kind of go out in the same way. They'll just they'll hold on to an audience of people that are just trying to min-max the device before they sell it on uh, in terms of completing everything. I can picture in my head like 
somebody organising all 10 people who actually still use a Vita to protest about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in a, uh, Arrested Development, there are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a Twitter Did, uh, bubble. It's very loud, but pretty small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did the game My Name is Mayo make the list? That was, um, I think it actually came out on PS4 first, so that wasn't part of my list, but that's certainly a good example. I mean, that I have played that now because I needed to complete a couple of true trophies challenges in the year, but um, I didn't I didn't feel good about myself. Um, you <laughs> do just click on a jar of mayonnaise up to, I think to finish the list, you have to click it 10,000 times in total, something like that. Oh but it just God. gives out achievements every... <laughs> five five seconds and it's almost like they're anticipating some of our challenges because there's actually loads of different uh loads of the trophies have different uh first letters so it's almost <laughs> like they'd anticipated that we might be doing something like hey spell out this word and they can just get it all in my name is mayo and i know a lot of the happy <laughs> birthday uh challenges and, and stuff like that and and the 12 days of christmas challenge you can basically fill out a lot of the name just with my name is mayo so someone very devious has thought about all the different ways that trophy hunters might attack this game um and it's just become your one-stop shop for everything if you're willing to click a jar of mayo a thousand times imagine the time savers for my name is mayo <laughs> yeah 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 just close <laughs> the jar for you <laughs> so another big story in uh this quarter was i don't it hadn't been confirmed at the time but there was a lot of rumors around black ops 4 not including a campaign mm. And I can't remember if this was before it was actually officially announced or after they revealed that there was going to be no campaign, that um, Mark took a look at, well, how rarely people are actually completing campaigns. Yeah, and it turns out pretty much across the board, I I don't think we, we put an average to it, but... Even major series like Bioshock, Batman Arkham, uh, they were all well below 40% like all the time. And many of them even like hovering around or under a quarter, like uh, 25%. Like basically <laughs> it it's it's made me think about like some of the biggest games of the year. Like people really love God of War this year. People really love Red Dead. Red Dead's pretty new. So I think people are still catching up with that anyways. But if you think about God of War and how how much of a how much fanfare it generated and it probably sold i don't know 10 10 or 15 million copies maybe i'm I'm really not sure but say it sold that many that means probably only maybe three or four million people actually finished the game so it's kind of interesting to think about how loud like the hype for these games gets on social media in particular like how how crazy twitter goes when an awesome game comes along but and then you think about just how few people are actually seeing the end credits that are I mean, I'm sure some people are, are freaking out about games when they haven't finished them, but it's just interesting to to see the difference between like, and this this isn't even exactly an angle we looked at in the in in that stats story, but just since then I've thought about it in in that light, like when people are you know just with the game awards a week or so ago, uh, people are people are voting on you know their favorite games of the year. It's like I those judges I'm sure have have almost all beaten those games, but it's just interesting to know that at in in a general sense, like people just don't play single player games to completion. And it, it kind of, it kind of makes you see why uh, a lot of games are staying going away from, from that approach, ex- except for basically the Sony exclusives. I think it's a really interesting uh, 
like angle and it's a good way to prove the point that most of the series we looked at have below 50 percent completion averages um uh, and i think yeah I, i'm the same I, I i got really really hyped about the witcher 3 like really hyped and then <laughs> spent every night playing it and then just after like three weeks it fizzled out and i still haven't completed it i'm still not even mm-hmm. close to completing it obviously the witch is a very long game i know it's um it's going to be the same across the board i feel people yeah, just don't pretty much complete stuff yeah there were there were like no exceptions which which was interesting i mean it's you know some were higher i, th- I think batman you know Batman arkham asylum was much higher but then we'd even we'd even see them tail off like as the series went on too i think if i remember correctly like Arkham Asylum had around like forty percent, but then Arkham Knight had around like twenty six or something like that. I, I shouldn't be spitballing them. I should just open the link, but I don't want to do all that <laughs> typing right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It'd be interesting to have a look at how PlayStation are faring, particularly with the most recent games in comparison, because I'm just having a quick look now at our current stats, at least for for Spider Man and God of War, both have them both at seventy five percent. Oh wow! Um, completion on the story, so so there's definitely something to be said for PlayStation's focus on single player, perhaps because it seems like there's a there's a bit of a skew towards, particularly in the last year, of of people potentially picking up the PlayStation as an as a story first exclusives machine and and yeah. and buying those games and and seeing them through. So uh, you know, what you need to look at though is the actual percentages of the overall. Yeah, we did it from the the Xbox percentage is not the ta yeah yeah i mean that is definitely a definitely something we'd need to look into but even just just comparing the two like our uh, ta versus tt on some of those single player games it seems like there's a there's a skew towards towards that i mean i do appreciate obviously a lot of people on tt are are faithful ta members who have just just bought a playstation as an exclusive machine so there probably will be a bit of a skew towards you know if they're bothering to buy a whole console just to play a couple of games um they're probably going to see them through um but yeah, definitely be interesting to do a bit more research into how their most recent exclusives that keep winning all these awards are uh, are actually faring in terms of people getting to the end. Yeah, they, I think with the PlayStation exclusives, there's like a they they have this sense of prestige built around them, and, and I think deservedly so. So it it almost becomes like socially beneficial to see these games to the end so you can be among those in the conversation you know like definitely with other series that are multi-platform or you know xbox doesn't really do a lot of games like sony does they've they've tried a couple times and they usually don't do well and yeah i don't know just i think it's the studios that sony has when when a naughty dog game comes out it's it's like a cultural event to stop and finish it and talk about it's like only really rockstar has this in terms of like multi-platform if i mean there may be a few others but yeah uh yeah you're right the discussion is 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 about the end of the story more often than not as well with those games like particularly red dead 2 like a lot of lot of uh, podcasts i've listened to they've wanted to have a spoiler cast about what happens at the end and and certainly with spider-man and and god of war especially uh, you know a lot of people wanted to discuss how the story kind of pans out so to be part of the conversation like you said you do have to actually see it through whereas maybe something like far cry or assassin's creed you you, you, we're not necessarily talking about the ends of those (laughs) games as much we're just talking about the general fun experience of of running around towards the end of the month uh the end of the quarter was e3 I know we've talked about it a lot, but let's just go through it briefly. PlayStation was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and so bad that they decided they're not bothering for next year. Yeah. 
Uh, no, but what did they show? I can't remember everything they showed. So, uh, the Last of Us Two. Yeah, so it's Last of Us Two, Death Stranding, um, Ghost of Tsushima, and um, something else that I've forgotten. Spider Man. Spider Man. Was it Spider Man? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that finished it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they did. So, they had those uh, weird like excerpts of dreams in between where there was just like weird <laughs> characters bashing drums and stuff that didn't. They didn't even say it was dreams. Um, so that was bizarre. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a bit of a mess. So it, it wasn't the best conference. Oh, and the, and the the going out to the the couch in between shuffling people. Yeah, because they were too busy like shuffling people from one room to another for some reason. <laughs> I think Microsoft had a, a better E3. So let's just skip through some of these that got. Uh, some kind of extensive coverage. So we had the trailer for Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. Still don't really know a great deal, but I know there'll be a lot of people on TA excited for that. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, that's a game that I saw at Gamescom. It looks pretty cool, even though I didn't play the first game because I'm just not into platformers and stuff. But I know that was a, a game that a lot of people have adored, so I think that'll be pretty popular next year. We saw Sekiro. Which I can't remember anything about. Oh so. yeah, that's the Dark Souls from but, software. Yeah. yeah, Dark Souls, but Activision, Activision published. Yeah, right. and so there's actually going to be some a bit more accessibility. I think it's going to be a little bit easier to penetrate by the looks of it. Hmm. There was the um, awesome adventures of Captain Spirit hmm. that we all, all wondered if it would get achievements and trophies, and it was just a demo in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Uh, we saw some Crackdown Three, no doubt. It had lots of Terry Crews in it, and I think we got an actual release date for it at the time. Uh, Near Automata, that's now out on the Xbox One. That was another one of those games when it that oh, came yeah. over Definitely. from PS4. Yep. Uh, we saw the first look at Metro Exodus, which is another of those games that's coming out in early February. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, I think that was probably a bit of a surprise that Xbox got Kingdom Hearts 3 on their stage, I suppose. Although it then turned up for about six hours on nearly everyone else's stage as well. <laughs> <laughs> and still, still churning out videos every two weeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got something from CFDs. No idea. I'm sure it was just one of the updates that have been released already. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 got announced. That's something we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, I suppose the biggest news, and it's something that continued at XO18, was the new studios. Mm-hmm. So I know we've kind of discussed them at length, Mark. I don't think you've had the opportunity to talk about them yet. Only the announcement of them, but because um, I think I was on your post E3 show. I think that was the last time I was on actually with Maka. But uh, yeah, definitely the biggest xbox news this year uh in my opinion at least and mm-hmm. I, I think that's easily argued it was basically that and, and some of the game pass stuff they've been doing those are like their two highlights but yeah they're kind of setting themselves up for trying to win this next generation and they're doing that in a few ways and one of those ways is phil spencer saying hey we hear you the uh our exclusives are kind of lacking and i mean personally i tend to enjoy them uh but obviously they don't really hold a candle in most players' eyes to stuff like The Last of Us, Uncharted, and Spider-Man, God of War. Like Sony just knocks it out of the park time after time. So it it seems like a lot of the studios Microsoft bought are going to skew in that direction. Like the initiative, that that new one they built in Santa Monica, they've taken on a bunch of like seemingly single player creative narrative driven types of developers and it looks like what they're calling it like a, a the first 
what quadruple a game ever is is going to come out of that studio apparently <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see what that's going to mean and, and you know certainly it's not allowed to have any bugs if that's what you're calling it but we'll see <laughs> but but uh yeah it's 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 exciting uh I, I i like all the brands and everything but i definitely prefer xbox the most and it's exciting to see that phil spencer's in my opinion has them going in the right direction and these these studios are, are a big part of that they they said they were blown away by Horizon. I think that was the one that that kind of, when the Fable rumors were hitting, it was basically that Microsoft saw Horizon look awesome and and do really well. And they're like, okay, there is still a market for this. We don't need to make everything online shared worlds only all the time. So it seems like they're kind of steering back toward doing some some single player, really cinematic stuff that personally is is tends to be my favorite. So I'm really excited to see what what those become. I would imagine when they looked at Horizon, another big factor was probably that that they had taken a company, Guerrilla Games, that was that had really only done fairly genetic, generic uh, first-person shooters, and they managed to sort of trans- transform into this this epic, beautiful third-person adventure that was it was just completely different and completely different aesthetic, completely different gameplay. I th- I would imagine that probably made Microsoft think that you know picking up a studio doesn't have to be about sort of struggling to ship whatever they were working on before which is kind of where they've been at with with a lot of the companies they've brought on in the past but they can actually you know pick people up and and transform what they're doing into something completely new certainly you know that's something they could they could achieve with obsidian uh something they can they can do with compulsion probably um and and ninja theory and as you said this this the initiative is probably the the most interesting one of the lot for me because they're building it in santa monica obviously that's where santa monica studio Mm-hmm. is for god of war um they're bringing on they've brought on people from red dead they've brought on people from i think from god of war uh, as well tomb raider. Um, yeah. tomb raider that's that's a lot of talent and and they have got um a blank slate to work from you know they're not hung up on any particular studios uh kind of mission statements or any of their not hinging on any existing tech or existing games or anything like that they can start fresh with something brand new and that's pretty exciting if you can get whatever they're offering has been enough to pull people off of the rockstar team you know that's yeah. that's that makes me think that they've either given them a lot of money or uh or they've or just they've time shown, off maybe yeah or they've shown them something that is that is exceptional that they're looking forward to working with and i hope it's the latter because because it could be something really special fingers crossed i think that the biggest problem for the studios early on not even the the first party ones but like you know the ones who were doing exclusives for Xbox was they, they tried to shoe on every you know new thing they were doing. Every game had to have a connect, you know, connect function. Yeah. Every game had to be a, an online service rather than just a game. So hopefully they kind of just. I know they said that they're going to leave them to do what they want, but hopefully once the games are close to the re- release, they're like, oh, that's neat. You need to have co-op now. You need to add online and just leave them to it let them do what they want yeah because i know even um even lionhead had that before they shut down you know there were stories coming out afterwards where they were saying they were they were actually working on stuff that wasn't fable but microsoft at the time were just piling back in and going make it a fable thing um so it sounds like they're they've really reversed that under under phil spencer to say look you can you can do what you want we'll just kind of sit back and and feed you the money and and give you whatever influence we can in terms of your infrastructure and things like that but creatively it's it's kind of up to you which is an exciting time for for the company i think for sure uh moving on we got the division two news or more of the division two that's another game releasing early next year 
we had the usual ID Xbox montage, and some of them games have actually released. Can you, can you believe we live in a world where Ashen and Below are both actually available now? <laughs> yeah, that is weird. What a crazy time to be alive. This game, I remember, surprised everybody. There was all the talk before E3 because of uh, skate servers going back online and things like that. Skate 4 was going to be announced, and then EA didn't, and then we got Session. <laughs> that everybody thought might be Skate, but it isn't. It's like an ID game that had been kind of available on PC for a little while as a test demo type thing. So that's coming to the Xbox One. We got some Cuphead DLC stuff that's coming. Dying Light 2 was announced. That's a game that, again, I saw at Gamescom that looks pretty cool from what I've seen. Uh, Battletoads is actually coming. I know there's been a lot of talk about Battletoads (laughs) for a a while. That's actually coming. Uh, We got Three new Gears of War games announced. We've got a Gears of War Pop, which is going to be like a mobile game with those weird bobblehead figure type things. <laughs> uh, Gears Tactics, which I think this is probably a bit annoying for me, the fact that all the Xbox exclusive games have had to come out on Windows 10 as well, which, you know, it doesn't bother me, like the fact that, that that's a thing, no problem. But then they're making Gears Tactics, which is a game just for PC. Yeah, which I didn't really get that. Annoys me that that's not coming the other way as well. Yeah. Uh, and we obviously got Gears 5, which will be interesting to see. And then the big one that closed the show, Cyberpunk 2077. I think that's probably a most anticipated game for a lot of people, even though we don't really know when it's coming or anything yet. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to say 2019, and I think that's premature. I, don't, I wouldn't expect it to come out next year. Yeah, I saw rumors even this morning saying quarter four, but I don't know. It's... I have no idea. What, what I saw at Gamescom, from the, it was just obviously a, a section of the game that they'd obviously had a lot of time to prepare for and polish and all that kind of stuff, but it looked like it was fully functioning and playable properly, you know, that section. Mm-hmm. But obviously they're talking about a huge world, aren't they? So... It depends how long they've been working on it, I suppose. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how it actually runs on a normal vanilla Xbox <laughs> One and a PS4 normal, like to see what it looks like. I can imagine it'd be a bit rough graphically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some other big news from that month, or oh, that quarter, I keep saying the month. Uh, Mark did a, a review of an interesting game. Which one? That was pushing boundaries. Agony. Oh, <laughs> yeah, pushing the wrong boundaries. <laughs> I was testing the the uh, minimum limits of our scoring system, I think. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, I completely broken. I, I've, I've made sure to not delete the video clips that I inserted into that because those are saved to my Xbox. Um, I was recently clearing them out so I could make more room for Sea of Thieves and PUBG clips. But I made, I made sure to keep those because they, they really depict just how broken this game was and i think it's been patched since then and um i said in the review patches weren't going to save everything but it would at least make it functional it was the most dysfunctional game that was being sold for money that i've (laughs) that i've ever played in my life it was so bad at one point the audio i think i captured this in one of the couple of the different clips at one point the audio it just continually repeats the same line over and over again. It would like stop and stutter. And sometimes it would get further down, down like the, the dialogue tree and it would stop. Like it was so bad, and it, but it was, it was, it was honestly so funny. But, uh, and then at one point the, everything audio related just became like crackling permanently. 
and like there there was no fixing it anymore like <laughs> so i put I, I think i ultimately put two hours into that game thankfully as i said in the review did not pop any achievements so other than the review i can just uh, there's no there's no actual record of me ever having had to play that game but oh man it was and i foolishly you know i asked you for the code uh, for for the, for the review assignment if you remember dave i was like hey new horror games coming out if if uh if we managed to get a code i'd love to do it and uh i was i was incorrect i, I would not love to do it <laughs> <laughs> i like Terrible. the uh positive you've put on the review is may push stores to better implement certification rules i always yeah. uh, <laughs> i love the honestly the, i don't know passive aggressive uh positives it's always funny to me <laughs> Yeah, I think I I don't know if I put it there or if I maybe it sounds like something Kevin Yuridase would have put elsewhere. But I I think I was wondering if I should write like, you know, you don't have to play it. Like it is optional to just completely avoid it. Like that that's that's the best thing it has going for it. Is you can you can just live your life without ever involving this in it. Like <laughs> All right, so let's have a look at some of the, the biggest games from Q2. So the first one starting off, an Xbox exclusive, was State of Decay 2. Now that one I loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, it, I thought it might come up later when we touch on our top three. I think ultimately it's my fourth favorite game of the year. Uh, okay. So no, it won't then, because that's not top <laughs> well, well, here I am finding a way to, to mention it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's basically, it, it goes, it takes everything that people might have loved about the first one it goes deeper with it and it got like sea of thieves it got a really bad rap uh when it first came out and i totally disagreed it's basically a walking dead simulator it's you know it's not the walking dead license or anything but it takes into account all that stuff that people love when they read the walking dead or if uh if they're foolish enough to still watch the show like me and when the show is occasionally still decent uh it you know, it, it, it takes into account just, just everything, just resource management and base building and base defense. And there's some interpersonal stuff there. That's the that's really the element that needs to go deeper. And I'm really excited that Microsoft bought Undead because I think their dream of having uh, a truly state of decay MMO, like that was always the goal when the first one came out years ago. They said, hey, eventually this is meant to be that. So I think that's what they're doing, and that's why Microsoft bought them. And I'm hoping Microsoft throws more money at them because I think they could use it to polish up some things in that game. But yeah, pretty much across the board, uh, it takes everything that the first one did and 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 goes deeper with it. And I don't know how fans. I I really don't understand how people didn't like it. I think our expectations for it just changed over the years because the first one was sort of surprise. Uh, it was a surprise. So. Uh, you know, people were pleasantly surprised by it, and it, it, it kind of, uh, to put it in football terms, kind of outkicked its coverage. Mm. Uh, and the second one, I don't just because it was on the E3 stage a lot now, because it was in the Game Pass day one Game Pass thing, and Microsoft was suddenly building it as, you know, I mean, rightfully so, it was the sequel to like one of the very best selling XBLA games back in the day. So I think expectations just changed, and people were no longer willing to accept some of the jank that still existed in that game. I know we've talked about janky games a few times now. <laughs> I guess that's the state of games this year. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm able to forgive some of that. I know some of the animations are are, are kind of uh, less than less than uh, 
desirable, but ultimately it just does so many things all at once and it weaves them all together. So in, in such an interesting way and in a way that no other game does that it's my favorite zombie game ever. And it's one of my favorite games of the year for sure. I played it and you hated it. I didn't it. hate it. Oh, really? No, I didn't. Hate <laughs> it and I didn't love it. Like I, I, I was happy to play it and I didn't get crazy firing. I think I moved to like the second base like encampment thing that you could build so I don't know, maybe f- I don't know, somewhere between probably five and eight hours, something like that. I played it, didn't hate it. I wasn't pulled in to play it more, but like I, I'd happily go back and try it a bit more. The only thing that put me off was the like the the thing that made me want to play it was the multiplayer bit or the co-op, sorry. And it wasn't especially smooth at the time. I don't know what it's like now. Hopefully that'll have improved a bit. Yeah, and I- but that's kind of what turned me off at the time. Yeah, I felt bad about that because I actually had a pretty smooth experience in my multiplayer uh, sessions when I was reviewing it. But then, like, every other review mentioned, like, catastrophic problems. And, I was, and like, it, it came off as dishonest, even though I knew I was being honest. I just I just squeaked through, I guess. I mean, but, yeah, I, I did feel bad about that. I, I, I was sort of, in retrospect, wishing my sessions were more chaotic just so I could have seen what everyone else saw. Uh, because my, my review doesn't really reflect that, but that's, you know, that's why you read more than one review. But I mean, all the things I say positively about the game, I, I, I stand by completely and it's, it's just a unique series and it's the coolest zombie thing in a world of far too many zombie things. I think State of Decay is like the coolest one of them. And I really root for that studio to, to hopefully do a, a bigger and better third one if, if that's what they've got going on right now. Okay, uh, moving on to the first of two pretty big PlayStation exclusives for that quarter, uh, God of War. Yeah, so um, this just recently won the Game Awards Game of the Year. Um, I think surprising a few people who thought it was going to be Red Dead. But um, yeah, I mean, I I played this to all the way through to the Platinum. Um, I... I absolutely love my time with it. I've I've never played a God of War game before. I wasn't expecting to really uh, get involved with this at all from from the promo footage. You know, most people were talking about how different it looked to the old God of War, and obviously, I didn't have that reference point, so I wasn't really paying attention to it. So it was a it was a big surprise when I got in there and and discovered that it was a really beautiful looking, uh, well paced, interesting. Uh, interesting game, interesting world. Um, I love the fact that the mythology is is gone into the the kind of the Norse mythology. It's something that I I kind of enjoy outside of games anyway, um, and I just find it more interesting in a way than some of the Roman mythology because uh, it's less well covered. So seeing all those sort of different gods and monsters and stuff was was interesting. It's got a lot of praise for the way it's structured. Uh, so. It doesn't really have any loading screens because it kind of quite cleverly hides its its loading through certain corridors and things like that. So you'll seamlessly transition from cutscenes to to play without any kind of stuttering or anything like that. And it's just it's constantly a marvel to look at. Um, but also the gameplay, I I think it's one of the tightest representations of RPG light that I've seen in a while. Obviously, a lot of franchises and studios are trying to sort of force rpg elements into their action adventures uh to sort of varying degrees of success um but for me god of war hit a really good balance of having a fair amount of complexity in terms of the different attacks and different um strategies you can employ and different kind of upgrades you can get without overwhelming 
uh, with all sorts of different kind of map content and and uh, menus and things like that. Um, and and the story touched me. I mean, it didn't. I don't think it touched me as much as uh, a lot of people who kind of gushed about it um, when when the game came out. But it certainly was was pretty effective. I think that it was highly cinematic and really kind of sets up for a sequel in a nice way. Um, and yeah, it's, just, it's one of those games where you can really tell it was made with a lot of love. Um, I was, one, one of the, the funniest stories of the time was was Corey Barlog, the director, um, doing a YouTube video where he kind of prepared himself to look at the Metacritic scores uh, and sort of see him open the page and seeing everything on 90s and 96s and it kind of burst into tears, uh, which made a bit of a name for him, I think. Uh, I think that's how he ended up winning Best Director at the Game Awards as well, is because people remembered him fondly, kind of collapsing over how well the game had done. Um, but yeah, it was just generally speaking, it was just a bit like Celeste, I suppose, a really nice surprise for me to get a game that I have no expectations for and to have them kind of pretty wildly blown away. It was funny and touching and exhilarating and and just genuinely engaging all the way through. Nice. It's it's the first game in years I'd say that has made me genuinely want to have a PS4. Um, yeah. It looks amazing. I, I will play it at some point. It looks very good and it's very deserving from the sounds of it. Okay, uh, moving on to a game that I reviewed, so if you want to know what I think, read the review. Uh, but on Rush, it seemed to do really well critically and then failed spectacularly in terms of sales. Mm. So bad that Codemasters even closed that little side studio that they opened to do the game. It was the same developers who previously made was it Drive Club on the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah Motorstorm. They kind of which comes through. Yeah, when game. they got when they got closed or PlayStation dropped them, Codemasters picked them up to do this game. And then dropped them. <laughs> tell us tell us about what you thought. I thought it was a, a, a solid race with some new ideas, but it just didn't kind of catch on at all. Yeah, so I, I played it um, actually only because it's in it was in the PS Plus uh, last month, I think. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, and this is a game that I could see myself playing with my brother and, and kind of calling back to our old Mario Kart days. It's got that that frenetic pace to it that that seems good for for certainly for couch co-op but just for just for the pace and simplicity of it it's it's certainly a unique racing game and i think that might have been part of the problem with selling it to the public is that it's not really a race you know you don't you don't race to a finish point you just kind of complete certain objectives depending on what kind of game mode you've got and I think that might have confused people a bit, but it really lends itself to just a quick arcade experience. I almost want to play it in an arcade, you know, on a proper on a proper car set. Um, it seems like that kind of game. Um, but yeah, I must admit, for all that I'm kind of lavishing some praise on it, I wasn't one of the people who paid for it. You know, I, I wasn't there to to pick it up uh, when they needed the sales. You know, I've only picked it up because it was it was free in PS Plus. So um, so yeah, unfortunately, it just it didn't light the world on fire in the way that maybe it could have if it had come out in a different generation even maybe you know i could see it having done well on the 360 even uh it just mm. it just didn't quite light people's imaginations on fire i don't think um and 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 obviously coming out around e3 was probably not helpful um and and there wasn't really a huge amount of marketing for it that that targeted it properly so yeah a bit of a, a bit of a sad story for the year i think uh, it just didn't really uh, capture uh, any kind of audience. 
Yeah, it was basically I likened it to like Overwatch on wheels. It was more of like a hero racer in a yeah. way, which you're right is kind of conceptually it kind of confuses people or even just outright turns them away because there's no finish line to to get to first. But for yeah, I played it probably a dozen hours at this point. I was playing it a lot for a while over the summer. And then just with reviews and trying to catch up on a million other games. I've I've not gone back to it in a while, but it might I'm trying to put together just for my own amusement, I like putting together my top ten lists. And I it was sitting in my top ten for a while. I think it still is. I played a couple other awesome games recently. But uh it's definitely among my favorites and is is a game that totally surprised me because I liked the look of it, but I didn't think I would want to stick around with it enough. But even the dozen hours I've already put in is probably four times as much as I as I thought I'd give it. And I, I plan to give it more too. So it's it's definitely uh for for people who who like racing games and are willing to like try something a little different. Like I think it's now in Game Pass too. So whichever platform you yeah. have, like like And they keep doing free weekends for it as well as we <laughs> yeah. like just still try to get people in. Yeah. You can tell they're hurting, right? I it sucks to see like a a, a really cool new idea struggle like that and that, that's so often the case but yeah onrush is is definitely one that deserves more attention than it's, it's received moving on we got hellblade on the xbox one finally i know that was a game that mark had played already on the playstation but was still very excited to play it again <laughs> yeah i love on the xbox i love doing these reviews when i've already played the game because i can i i don't do it this way but i pretty much could just go write it right away you know i i run through it again just to make sure and get all the achievements and everything but I was like, yeah, I'll do this review, and I was I was like ready, and it was actually my game of the year last year. Mm. I played it very late. It's it's one of those things I like to make sure I don't have too many like glaring holes in in my game library from that year when I go and say what my favorite was, and that was one that I didn't play it in August when it came out, and I finally got it in like late December, and I just before the year ended, I played it, and I was like, oh okay, this is my game of the year. <laughs> I didn't really I didn't really have one to that point. It was kind of Outlast too, just by default because I love Outlast, but. Yeah, help and that this one it's our current TA playlist game. It just came to Game Pass like 2 days ago. It just came to retail at the beginning of the month. So there's like a million different ways to play it right now. You can play it with us, you can play it in Game Pass. I don't know. I, I was saving more of my thoughts for like the the TA playlist forum, but I think Sam you wanted to say did you end up playing this? Yeah, I played this on PlayStation last year. Um I yeah, I I I really loved it. I think it's um it's something that it's hard to describe. Uh properly without giving it a go it's one of those games you really have to try it to really understand what they've achieved with it um i guess the only things i would say is uh play it with headphones if you can um because some of the audio effects you you really need to kind of get deep into into what's going on with with how they play with uh the mental health aspect and the kind of voices in the character's head um it's just it's a very unusual and kind of almost oppressive environment that you go through but it's just so uh visually and thematically rewarding to to follow through this this strange journey that the character goes on um and it's got it's got similarities to god of war in a sense it's got some uh kind of nordic themes running through it it's sort of sim set in a similar kind of environment um but it really plays with your expectations in a in a big way and if you enjoyed things like um what remains of edith finch last year as well uh if you like that kind of uh twisty narrative that plays with your expectations then then this is a kind of game for you um there's a few 
few scary moments. Uh, not going to lie, if you're not into horror games, there's a couple of bits that are going to going to test your limits. But other than that, it's it's a general recommendation for anyone really to give it a go. Yeah, and the one of my favorite endorsements that I've given it to when I've spoke of it to people uh, over the last year or two is uh, like I to this day I still can't watch trailers or even really any footage at all for it without getting chills. Like I just Senua as a character, she's she's phenomenally. She's, I mean, she's phenomenal and she's interesting. And um, there's, there's a lot more to say about her than we could really do justice in, in this show. This will, you know, this will become not the Sea of Thieves podcast, but the Hellblade podcast. So, <laughs> but don't let me go too long. But yeah, she, she's just awesome. She's fascinating to me, and just from the top down, like it's such a tightly made game. Everything just works so well together. And yeah, if you, if you. Pl- People say it all the time, but it's true. Play, play this one with headphones. I play every game with headphones if I can, but this one is especially deserving. It's uh, it's just, I, th- I think it's unforgettable. And even if you don't like it as much as I do, I, th- I think you, you can't really come away with it with nothing to say. It's 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 definitely a conversation starter. Okay, uh, moving on to a game that I reviewed. I was quite excited for The Crew 2. It didn't quite live up to expectations for me. The one thing that I came away with from the game was that the the coolest part of the game and a lot of the trailers kind of concentrated on in the build-up to the game's release was the being able to, you know, switch seamlessly between cars, boats, and planes with the boats and planes being kind of new to the crew. And they had these really cool, like, races where it had, you'd go, kind of like you do on, if you play Grand Theft Auto Online, where they had, like, these transformation races where you'd get to a certain point and it'd switch but they were really rare the rest of it was just kind of generic racing to me like it 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 wasn't great it wasn't bad it just didn't quite live up to what i thought it was going to be with that changing stuff i don't have you i know you're a car game fan mark have you played it now we my yeah my son and i play racers all uh all the time together we've we've avoided this one um we didn't even. It was just free this past weekend. Uh, we didn't even try it then. I didn't really want it on my card because I, just from everything I've heard about it, I, I don't think we're going to like it that much. And we've got like every other racer that Xbox has published on their store, or you know, has been published on the Xbox store. So I felt like we just didn't need to commit any time to it. Just I don't know some some of the screenshots I've seen, like some of the real screenshots, not like the 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 ones that the press gets because Ubisoft and. A couple others always like to, to paint those up better than they actually look, but like some some of the real screenshots of of the crew too, they look pretty rough. And I don't know, just just the overall layout, just kind of you know, once again, kind of sound like another Ubisoft thing. Like somehow they've they've managed to to do the same thing, but this time with race cars instead. Uh, I just couldn't. I've just avoided it, and I think I'll keep it that way. It did have a, a pretty big problem as well with like rubber banding that was quite annoying and there's no difficulty you know to turn like if you're getting beat constantly in a race to turn it down it's like oh you can't beat that that's that's tough. is there there's no rewind either is there <laughs> no yeah. no rewind and like some of the achievements there's one achievement in it for driving across the whole map and it's like i understand the ambition of trying to recreate the usa you know and having all these major cities and things it's obviously not a scale version of the USA, but you've got all it's a massive map, and one of the achievements is like for driving all the way across the map in a supercar. And why are you doing it? You know, there's other cars coming in the other direction, and there's no 
like if you played the crew, the first one, they did. You can set like a nav mark on the map, and it had like a blue trail above you rather than being on the road. There's none of that in this game, so you try to keep an eye on this tiny little GPS in the bottom corner of your screen to go across the whole map. So one wrong turn, you're off. You know, so you got to keep an eye on what's coming ahead, while also try to keep an eye on the road with other cars coming your way. It's just a tough. <laughs> Sounds as boring as actually just, trying to drive across. <laughs> I, I, think I did that once and it, it did suck <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think that race is like half an hour or something like that so do you know if you're 20 minutes in and totally wipe out and with the rubber banding as well then it's just like I, I didn't have the energy to go back and attempt that again mm-hmm. after doing it once moving on to the second of the big PlayStation exclusives for Q2 mm. uh, Detroit yeah um, so this is a real Marmite kind of game. I mean, it's it, so it's Quantic Dream that made it. So they made um, they made Heavy Rain, they made uh, Beyond Two Souls, and they made Indigo Prophecy or Fahrenheit, depending on where you where you live. Um, and the problems that they've always had are still there. So um, David Cage is writing for for women, and some of his dialogue choices are pretty rubbish generally um so there's a few scenes that are really difficult to get through in this uh, in terms of depicting things like domestic abuse as though it's an episode of of a soap it's it's not it's not very nuanced compared to um you know other games that come out this year that have been so good on that score god of war and red dead and everything else um but you have to you have to give it credit for a few things so Technically speaking, the the amount of choice that you have in the game uh, it's kind of structured around um, being able to make lots and lots of narrative decisions around throughout the game. The the sheer volume of options of how you get to the end of this game and the endings that you can get is is pretty impressive. And 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 the the technique they have of showing you the map of what you did and and the ways that you could have uh, changed things is is pretty cool um it's quite easy to go back and see uh basic a dialogue tree of how things could have gone differently uh depending on what you do in the game and the other the other aspect is is probably the the voice acting there's a couple of characters that have really taken off as memes on on tumblr and twitter and things like that because people really fell in love with the characters and and the actors that that played them so there's a uh there's an android called Connor who's kind of the protagonist of the game uh, and a lot of people fell in love with him and, and his voice actor. Uh, he's become a bit of a celebrity in his own right because of it uh, and some of the goofy things that he gets up to as he tries to be this, yeah. you know, straight-laced uh, police detective but he doesn't really understand how humans work so he ends up uh, in a few sticky situations but but he's a good example of how... Um, that sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. I mean that, that's the thing is that the two characters that people like are him and his partner and it's it really turns into a body buddy cop comedy for a lot of the game because it's a it's the irascible old cop who doesn't like robots and his new robot companion you know it's 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 got that element to it and i think people really latched onto that and made that the story rather than dealing with the horrendous writing of the rest of it Mm. um so there's 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 parts to love and if you can pick it up cheap it's definitely worth seeing through to to just see the the scope of how you might be able to write a you know choose your own adventure kind of story and and hopefully other companies might look at this and and see an opportunity to make a similar game but without david cage's overarching terrible direction um but yeah, visually it's it's pretty good. It's uh, it's certainly got some of the best uh, facial recognition tech we saw before Red Dead came along, and 
yeah, it's 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 not something that's going to stick with me. And but then most Quantic Dream games don't. So if you've liked that kind of game in the past, it's probably going to be the best example of what QD have done so far. Um, so it's definitely going to going to get a lot of fans. But if you like your writing tight and your dialogue interesting um then you might want to kind of skip it and and just take my word for it that um yeah there's a lot of scenes that you're going to cringe through if you do try and 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 force your way through it okay uh let's move on to q3 so uh we had another few things going on on site so it was the annual bean dive which i I suppose i know i'm definitely still recovering from i don't Sam seems to be on a constant bean dive from what I've seen of his. Well, I, I went and did my own manual bean dive on on TT as well. So I've I've I I dived a hundred games um, on there. So that's going to take a while to recover. And I think I've started about twenty since then as well. So it's just I'm just permanently diving my percentage uh, down. It's never going <laughs> to recover. Uh, we were at Gamescom, so I, I know a lot of those games we've are, have already released this year. Some we're discussing now, so there's no point going too in depth in that. Uh, the Ultimate Head to Head Contest Four took place, which only just finished what a month ago or so, something like that. I think as well, this was the quarter that we did the uh, fifth year birthday celebration on TT. Mm-hmm. So you had to spell uh, "Happy Birthday" true trophies, which I know that. That, went that was well. my my name is Mayo uh, uh, blast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through to some of the big news from this from that quarter. So we had a lot of controversy around it, PlayStation and crossplay. I know before they'd kind of been opting out of it, so there was a bit of stick around them anyway. But then they did the whole locking people's accounts out of other platforms on Fortnite, which didn't go down great. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion about that as well because a lot of people thought the 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 problem was just the fact that they weren't doing crossplay because obviously Minecraft as well has Switch and Xbox uh, uh, have got crossplay uh, between the two servers. But the main problem with Fortnite wasn't really the fact that you couldn't play with Xbox players. People didn't necessarily mind that. It was the fact that if you started a game, uh, if you started the game on PlayStation, you lost any access to your Epic account. So if you played on any other platform, which includes mobile you couldn't access your content that, that you may have paid for. So that was it was much more of a stickier situation than just being able to play with people on other platforms. It was more about actually losing your content completely just because PlayStation didn't want to give people the access to content they may have bought elsewhere. So they, they, they've tried to address it. I know they've got a beta on at the moment to allow people to to kind of get into cross-play uh, on Epic's um on Epic accounts so they can access their stuff, but it's still kind of up in the air what their policy is going to be going forward on this stuff. Certainly uh, Microsoft have taken advantage of, you know, announcing all the time when they're, they're working with someone else just to kind of <laughs> rub, rub Sony's face in the dirt with it a bit um, <laughs> to say how, how kind of cross platform they're trying to be. So it's been a big talking point with, with PlayStation this year to try and correct some of that. And I suppose this quarter seems to be obviously following the end of quarter two when E3, this would seem like the the time that PlayStation went, can't be bothered with this generation. Yeah, yeah, they really <laughs> There was a few things. <laughs> so there was obviously the Fortnite stuff. I know that's still ongoing. So like I've said before previously about the linking accounts and Epic have delayed that now until early next year. So that's still not a thing yet. If you had to create two accounts on Epic to make it work properly, 
it's still not fixed completely yet. Uh, we had the the wonderful name changes. Oh, yeah. This thing. was this was great. So yeah, they finally <laughs> tried to offer people the ability to change their their gamer tag essentially or PSN ID is what they call it on PlayStation, um, which obviously Xbox have have allowed for for ages. Um, and it's a similar setup. You can you get it for free once, and you can pay ten dollars to 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 change your name again. But it was the terms and conditions and the fine print that got people worried because basically in the fine print it says that you may break existing saves some games may no longer work online um and even if once the games have started breaking if you go back to playstation and say can you change it back yes they'll do it for free but they can't guarantee this will actually that'll actually fix any of the problems that were broken by the fact that you changed your name um so it just it really gave people no reason whatsoever to ever consider changing their name because there were so many caveats that they might just break their entire account um it really seemed designed to say okay we've given you what you asked for all these years but we're giving you every reason to not risk it um so i mean this this is a hangover from the fact that ps3's architecture and their their infrastructure and their network has been is is just awful um and they've that's why they've never been able to emulate ps3 games um and they've never been able to offer downloads on ps3 games on ps now is because just whatever they set up with psn in ps3 as they've never been able to rectify whatever strange way they set everything up. Um, and it's really been a case of trying to patch in what they can ever since. So everyone's expecting PS5 to probably start fresh with a new um, with a new system and a new architecture, hopefully. A lot of the news that kind of appears over Q3 is all from trailers and updates for games that are coming in the holiday periods. But probably the biggest and most surprising to me at the time was the ongoing and sad demise of Telltale Games, which I know we covered quite a bit from the initial kind of leaks to the confirmation. And then we did some statsy things around Telltale Games and Mark did an op-ed on it. So I know you two have done a lot of coverage, so take it away. From my perspective, what I what I looked at on, on TT uh, was... I I had a suspicion because basically I've I've always enjoyed narrative games but and I've always ended up with Telltale games but I personally had never actually finished one since since basically The Walking Dead season one um, and I was kind of intrigued to see whether that was true for anyone else and what we found looking at the evidence is is quite a bit of evidence as to why Telltale may have uh, met the fate that they did because it certainly seems that after the first Walking Dead series which really took 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 uh, people by surprise and lots of people played it there was about 280,000 people that we were tracking that were playing it it dropped off immediately to the wolf among us which came out later was only uh, about 140,000 people walking dead 2 was less than that all the way down to by the time walking walking dead 3 came out that was down to 30,000 players and then guardians of the galaxy 20 minecraft 2 didn't even hit 10,000 10, players uh, on our in terms of the statistics that we track. So there was a really massive drop off of Walking Dead 1. Less than half the players kind of hung around for the second game that, that Telltale released after that. And it, it declined every single game since, apart from Batman slightly peaked above Minecraft. But other than mm. that, the games really dropped off in terms of anyone actually getting from getting past the first episode basically and and because the first episodes were so often cheap or even free it really kind of indicates that people weren't willing to invest in in both purchasing and playing through 
the entire season um and it kind of called into question whether the seasonal approach is is really working as a as a viable means to tell a story because people are just not hanging around to wait for the whole thing to come out um and they're not getting through it when they do yeah yeah for me uh telltale was always special and i i get that you know, I, I like the analysis that you did, Sam, to reveal. Basically, you know, The Walking Dead came onto the scene. And it's not like Telltale didn't exist before that. They they very much did. But that was the one that gave them, like, their household name status. And they blew up. But it was such, like, a short lifespan, I guess. I, I don't really I, – I guess if I had to attribute it to anything, it's just that they were so formulaic, you know. So if you weren't in on the stories and or if you weren't in on just waiting for them to come out over the course of, like, several months – then it was, they were just never going to be for you. Personally, I, I liked that they were doing that. I liked that they kind of blazed that trail for other games like Life is Strange. And uh, even like the Council this year, which is like a, a very much unheralded game this year that for the most part was really interesting and just had like an awful finale that I just covered in a review. But before that, it was it was really cool. And they did some really interesting like RPG mechanics on top of the known and, and like common Telltale format. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I just... I, I, I mourned them in an op-ed. I mourned the loss of them and um, not just for like the people that lost their jobs, but even just as like a, a storytelling vehicle in the industry. I, I know they were far from perfect. Certainly it sounds like they were terribly mismanaged behind the scenes, but even their stories that, you know, they're supposed to sell themselves on their merits of their storytelling. And even those weren't uh, always great. I mean, mm. they were, I think they were usually good at least, but uh, yeah, just it, it kind of sucks living in a world without them now. I I had a lot of fun with them over the years, and uh, it's sad to see them go. But I'm I'm thankful that other studios like like Don't Nod and and uh, Big Bad Wolf, who does who's a, a new studio who does uh, the council. I, I like that they've kind of taken that torch, and I hope others continue to do it as well. And I suppose we've had the good news that Skybound have announced episode three is coming early next year. So oh, of course, yeah. At least we get to see the end of. Clementine's story, which I know was, I didn't even play episode two because I didn't want that to be the end. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? that's, yeah, that's what my partner did too. So I'm glad we're going to get a proper ending. Uh, moving on to some big games from this quarter. So a game that went down, or our review went down a storm on TA. Uh, PUBG release came out again. <laughs> I know that's a game you've sunk a lot of time into, Mike. Yeah, apparently the most hour I thought I'd played the most with Sea of Thieves this year, but I had like 40 more hours in PUBG because I, I play it um, in duo mode, which is like the two-player team, so like 50, 50 teams of two. Uh, I play that with my brother as as often as I can, actually. I, despite loving Sea of Thieves as much as I do, like our schedules don't line up that much, or uh, apparently they line up plenty, dozens and dozens of hours, but uh, it always feels like it's not enough and so whenever his schedule and my schedule match up, I basically put every other game off to the side and, and play that with him. And we've we've loved that game. Okay, and then probably one of the biggest titles of the year, uh, Spider Man, launched on the play, PlayStation Four. Yeah, so this is another one that I platinumed um, this year. So yeah, amazing game. Um, it. Of all the times that people have tried to make Spider-Man games throughout the years, uh, this is the one that's really nailed the the feeling of of web slinging um, as a kind of thrill ride. And and certainly the fact that Insomniac made Sunset Overdrive before, you can really tell that that um, a lot of what they learned in Sunset Overdrive about making a really fun and energetic and fast paced world to to 
travel around they've really translated into spider-man uh is a perfect fit visually amazing it's the the best uh best depiction of new york that i've seen uh in a game a lot of the side challenges are fairly generic but they're, they're kind of fun they don't outstay their welcome too much um and the story is just perfect it's a perfect marvel story it's it's uh, got a lot of humor uh, a lot of gags um the characters are really interesting there's a lot of emotional depth um the way that they handled the main bad guy um you know i think most people know but i don't want to spoil it so the reveal of the main bad guy in the second the second half of the game is is really well done it's a very interesting character and an interesting way of rewriting his origin story so yeah generally speaking this was a really bold start for what i imagine is going to be a, a, a franchise effort for for insomniac i know they've uh, express an interest in doing other Marvel games and other Spider-Man games. So I hope this is uh, the start of something uh, something new for them. It's not a game that uh, has lots of standout moments, I would say, but it's just it's just a very competent and very fun time. Uh, and I'm glad to have uh, platinumed them. So it was my first platinum as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree with everything you said. The only downside I'd say for the whole game was... It went along at a nice pace, and then the last act, they just seemed to throw every bad guy at you. And, yeah. and it was weird how they revealed the bad guys in the trailer at E3, I think it was, the year before. Yeah. So you knew who all these enemies were. And then playing through the game, none of them appeared. Or very, I think there was like a couple, of, or maybe one was a side objective even. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, right, you're going to fight them, but now you're going to fight them in twos. And then as soon as you finish that, you're going to go on to another mission where you're fighting another pair of them. And it's like, it, I think that could have been paced out a bit better. But, yeah. yeah, I think they were trying to capture, like that happens quite often in the comics, like he'll have to take on two at a time. And I think they were trying to trying to capture that, but it didn't really translate into gameplay that well. Um, because it just, like you said, it seemed like a big rush at the end to just just it, like a literal boss rush you, you at one point yeah. you you fight, fight two of them and the your uh police contact yuri literally just says okay the others are over there and that's the next <laughs> yeah. thing you do um and it's just it's just four of the six are down in in minutes um so yeah it's a bit of a bizarre ending but but i don't know how else they could have done it but i'm sure they'll learn their lessons for the for the next one and the weird trippy bit that kind of went on oh a bit too god yeah there, yeah but... the scorpion bit was weird yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't really work. Uh, okay, moving on to the last quarter of the year, quarter four. A few bits of sight things happened. So we obviously, 12 days of Christmas, 12 challenges. A lot of people enjoying that one. I've done both. Are you going to talk about how you don't like it, uh, Dave? Who have you yeah, done I think we've rounded about that enough. We? <laughs> I've made my statement. Um, <laughs> we added some site updates. So we added improvements to uh, the game of blocking controls. I know that uh, it was quite a, a well put together blog post by Angel SK and a few people mentioned it so like at different times about seeing people on your friend feed and stuff like that after you block them. So Rich did a lot of work on that. Recently I did the Xbox gameplay chart, which is going out every Monday, uh, giving you a rundown of the top player games from the previous week. Recently expanded it to 40, top 40 I think it was. We also added the new achievements and trophies requiring solutions section on TATT. So that was a chance for you to see if you'd completed a game. You could maybe just look and see what trophies, achievements you've already finished and maybe help the community out a little bit. So that's in the main menu on the site now. 
Uh, going on to some big news from this period so far. I know, again, it's a big period of releases, and there was XO18, which we've discussed at length on previous podcasts. Uh, but some, uh, somehow we've managed to crowbar in some more Sea of Thieves news. <laughs> there wasn't Mark's fault this time, though, to be fair. <laughs> no. So, yeah, we didn't, we didn't mention this in quarter one when the game came out. Uh, well, we did on site. We didn't in this wrap-up pod, but... We basically did a stat breakdown revealing Sea of Thieves to be the the grindiest achievement list in the history of Xbox achievement lists, <laughs> and uh, like mostly, I mean, there there were several that are really problematic, but really, like ninety five percent of the hours that you'd have to dedicate to it came down to a single achievement where you'd have to turn in fifty banana crates, and banana crates were extremely rare, and. A banana crate also requires that you fill it with 50 bananas. So even if you found a banana crate, you'd have to go around and find 50 bananas, which isn't that hard, but it's just time consuming, just real menial work that wouldn't really be fun. And actually, no, I'm sorry, you had to do that a thousand times. Uh, that that was the problem, not 50. It's it's long story short, or maybe short story long, as is my forte. Uh, <laughs> they've just recently fixed them, and it was only days before when someone actually completed the original list as as they were he estimated his name was his gamertag zix he's uh he's a very friendly dude from italy whom i've i've grown to really appreciate on like twitter and ta and in the sea of thieves community now he's he's become like a hero among uh among the the big players like, like me and some others but uh yeah he he did the list legitimately he did it before it was patched to be much easier um he did you know he did benefit from some game updates that made the message in a bottle missions appear more frequently, which is how you get the banana crate missions in the first place. But other than that, uh, he, 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 he estimated he took about 2000 hours to do it. And the Xbox year in review thing that just came out the other day, uh, said that he, he'd actually played through October. He had played about 2200 and that doesn't include November, which is, I think he just got the record, uh, in mid November. So he, he probably had around, 2500 hours into the game which um is still much lower than than it would have been because like i said they they made the message in a bottle missions appear more frequently but it's it's still one of the greatest grinds in the history of achievements and (laughs) but yeah no it's 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 been updated and i think now on site like 20 or 30 people have the completion for it now ever since the update like a week or two ago so it's quickly like people are getting there now which is which is funny it's it's all happening so fast <laughs> do you think they waited for one person to unlock it before <laughs> no it was it was a terrible coincidence they've they've spoken of it actually it's uh that update was coming with shrouded with shrouded spoils which was the update that arrived like a week and a half ago and it was like two and a half weeks ago that he accomplished this so he he'd been just spending the past eight or nine months just racing to be the first person to do this and he just happened to do it right before everybody else was able to do it much more easily. <laughs> God, but that's it, ultimately. I mean, he's taken it in stride, and he's pretty proud of it. And I, I commend him for it. it. A lot of people in the comments are like, "Oh, great! That guy must feel bad for wasting his life." And he would often come in and be like, "Actually, it was a lot of fun, and I still play the game now despite having the completion." And he's a great ambassador for the game because uh, we we certainly need our our vocal supporters of, of Sea of Thieves sometimes on some of these forums. <laughs> let's go through some of the big games. I know these are very recent, so let's not go crazy in depth because we probably discussed these a lot on recent podcasts. Uh, obviously, the big one, I suppose, is Red Dead Redemption 2. 
Mark, you've not had a chance to have a, a say about it yet. So I think about it more the further away I get from it. I beat it probably about uh, what, a month ago now or so. It took me a couple of weeks after launch. And yeah, I dwell on it often. I, th- I think it's phenomenal. I think Rockstar does, they, they write their characters in a way that games don't even really attempt and probably even shouldn't attempt because I feel like almost Rockstar and very few others can even can even hit the high marks that they do and yeah it's just phenomenal across the board it's one of my favorite games i'm about to mention it when we go through our top three games of the year here (laughs) uh yeah i I, I would i would need another hour to praise this game for everything i love that it is kind of backwards Uh, i i don't the the way the upgrade system works it's kind of backwards from every other game and i I don't want to get too deep into that it might be considered a spoiler but it's they do some really awesome things and it's it's a it pays off for people who give it the the hours it it needs okay uh moving on to another big release xbox exclusive forza horizon 4 yeah so i've been playing this quite recently um actually picked it up um during the 12 days christmas i started i started powering through it a bit and i know uh you and rich have, have been singing its praises for a while uh dave but i yeah i i it's interesting i haven't played forza horizon 3 fairly recently there's not huge amount of changes in terms of the the core experience of of driving and and everything else they've kind of kept hold of the mechanics that made that make forza horizon so good but just the experience of going through the different seasons and and visually the the kind of experience of going, going around uh, northern england and scotland and and everything else um it's just uh always always fun always a thrill it's it's hard to really kind of pick a certain detail that's that's that makes it stand out it's just such a fun game uh and it's still as a racing franchise the, the most fun i've had since uh since the early days of gran turismo for sure in, in terms of just a pure driving experience so yeah very happy that i got it for my birthday <laughs> <laughs> assassin's creed odyssey again another one we spoke quite a bit at length about yeah i uh this will yeah I'll talk, I'll talk about this briefly in a bit in our in our game of the year roundup but um a nice surprise for me. I thought this might be the year that I finally, uh, finally gave up on Assassin's Creed um, as, a, as a franchise. As much as I've been a devout follower for so many years, um, but it really pulled it together. I think, especially in the in the latter half of the game. So yeah, very happy that I saw it through. And um, one of the best uh, new female characters that I've seen in a long time as well. Uh, in terms of in terms of characters that have been around in the last few years, uh, I think both Red Dead and Assassin's Creed actually have, have made some really strong female characters this year, which which is always good to see. I suppose it's pretty interesting. Did you see the release some statistics from the game? And it seems like the vast majority of players actually played it as the male character. Yeah. Which and surprised uh, me because everybody I knew seemed to play it as the female. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me in terms of, you know, as we've said about single, single player games, um, people not actually doing it for the story. It doesn't surprise me necessarily that people, a lot of people are playing Assassin's Creed and just kind of playing it as a playground for, for messing around and that maybe there's still generally speaking more guys playing than girls perhaps but i don't know what what the reasons were but i guess i wasn't as shocked as a lot of people when you're in your twitter bubbles as we tend to be there probably are more reviewers and and video game critics that are playing as cassandra because they're more interested than that because they've they've played so many other games to death but if you've just you know if you're a 14 15 year old kid and you've just got an xbox one and you know you're a guy and you want to play as a guy then then i don't know maybe the statistics would show that actually you're more likely to to still play that character but mainly i'm just happy the choice was there and that they actually developed both characters pretty well uh, and gave them lots of different options in how how you develop their personality which which is great to see 
Okay, moving on to a game that we've not spoken about on the podcast. Uh, you reviewed it, Mark, Battlefield Five. I know we were both a fan of the the way they did the campaign in Battlefield One. Is this a similar yeah, they, situation? They do the war stories again, which is, is fun, but uh, that sort of speaks to some of the problems with this game because now I, th- I think EA, like you guys were saying, I think Sam said earlier, like these companies are having to scramble uh, and, and quickly to adjust their their in-game economies. So before, you know, this game was obviously being made as Battlefront 2 came out last year. And yeah. then with all the controversy surrounding that, they probably had to quickly change up what this game was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So it kind of launched with less content than I think most people would or even should be okay with. Like it doesn't have rush mode, for example, which is like one of two major game modes in Battlefield that, that's coming soon. Um, I don't think it's in there yet, but yeah, it's coming very soon. But it, that's something that should be there at launch. And like the war stories uh, in Battlefield 1 had, I think there were five war stories. This one launched with three and a fourth one just came out for free uh, a week or two ago. But that one doesn't even have achievements. So it's you know that's like a small percentage of the population that'll care about that. But I don't, it just across the board, it, it's really well done. I think DICE is always awesome. And I think a year from now, it's going to be one of the best shooters available. But at launch, you're you're definitely getting less for the same sixty dollars that Battlefield One cost you, and that kind of stings a bit. Um, but I am very much looking forward to their battle royale mode in March called Firestorm. I think besides PUBG, that'll probably be the other one I spend my time in. Yeah, I think that might be when I pick it up. Like I just had a, a sneaky feeling all the way through since they announced it. You know that something wasn't quite right. From the way they reveal details, you know, like really short rather than the the big epic gameplay sessions with the stupid shout casting that we seem <laughs> to get every other battlefield. So I don't know. I think it's one that I'll pick up later on. Or maybe wait till it just drops in EA Access and save yourself money completely. Uh, we've had a good quarter for PlayStation VR titles. Yeah, so quite a cool thing for me this year is I got my first go on uh, PlayStation VR when I went up to EGX um, back in September. And generally speaking, it's been a pretty massive year for PlayStation VR, which I don't think anyone was expecting because people were already starting to think that VR was on its way out and was maybe a bit gimmicky. But yeah, they had Moss earlier in the year. They'd also had um, Firewall Zero Hour, which was a pretty popular four-person Rainbow Six Siege type um, VR experience that I know a lot of people have enjoyed. But the three that I played EGX that have really taken off are um, Astrobot Rescue Mission, which um when it came out was the highest rated vr game ever on most um aggregate critic sites um and for good reason it's just it's an incredibly nostalgic and wonderful platformer it reminds me of the first time i played mario 64 back in the day just marveling at some of the little tricks that they do to kind of make the vr stand out as as part of the game you um you really feel like you're in the world with this little robot and if you tilt your head you're going to be able to see different platforms that you can get to and you're having to headbutt things to to get them out of the way and and all sorts of stuff it it really makes the most of not just the vr headset but all the different aspects of the dual shock controller as well you you really feel like you're getting the most out of your kit with that game uh highly recommended if you if you're picking up a vr for this christmas get get it with astro boys you're not going to be disappointed tetris effect was a nice surprise so this is a really good way to get into vr because there's not a lot of movement so you don't have to worry about uh motion sickness and things like that it's by the people who made res so it's got that same kind of psychedelic uh aspect to it but basically you're playing tetris while this sort of 
kaleidoscopic multi-sensory multimedia music experiences going on around it and it's kind of designed to really get you in that famous tetris zone so that you can you kind of end up doing it almost instinctively without really thinking about where you're dropping the blocks and it kind of allows you to get those ridiculous high scores and and feel the same kind of feeling that a lot of the experts have felt over the years where they just get into that zone and 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 produce just a ridiculous high score and things like that so so that's also recommended a lot of people have enjoyed that um and the other one i played was beat saber which i know rich is looking forward to once his uh move controllers arrive from some dodgy shop in hong kong uh that he's been waiting for them to turn up but this is basically a game where you are using two move controllers as lightsabers and you're slashing left and right uh, in a rhythm action game to to uh, to slice blocks as they're coming. Uh, so it's very much like Aero, if people have heard Dave talk about that a lot uh, in the last last year or so, um, in that it's just very frenetic. You've got to be really on the pace to, to get it right. I know that Bex, our news editor, has had, um, she's had a, a lot of... Uh, shoulder problems from thrashing about in this game so much trying to keep up with the with the harder difficulties and stuff um i certainly looked like an idiot while i was playing just thrashing around um but it was a hell of a lot of fun uh really tricky when you get up into the the expert difficulties but um if you've ever fancied wielding a lightsaber or pretending that you're a world-class drummer um it's definitely a game for you so yeah all in all it's a great year to consider picking up a play svr especially as they're a bit cheaper now um there's been all sorts of good games this year to try out Okay, so let's finish off with, let's go through the Game of the Year votes on TA and TT. On TA, I suppose there's less surprises. So the overall Game of the Year was Red Dead Redemption 2, which got 17.8% of the votes. And then it was Forza Horizon 4 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey coming in second and third. I don't think that really surprised me a lot, to be honest. Uh, The Best Idea Xbox Game was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice with 18.4% of the vote. I think that's pretty well deserved. Coming second was Cube 2. I'm not a game I've played. I don't know if that's slightly influenced by the fact it's been games with gold, so more people had it to vote for or not. I'm not sure. And then a game that I knew nothing about, know nothing about, Graveyard Keeper came third, which... Yeah, no idea. (laughs) Surprised me completely. Uh, Best Xbox One X Enhanced Game. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, Forza Horizon 4 coming in second, and then Battlefield 1 coming in third. That that was on the vote because the X enhancements only came through this year. Uh, best back and pack game, Halo Reach, uh, Modern Warfare 2 and Kingdoms of Amulet Reckoning came third. Best games with gold title, Battlefield 1, which uh, yeah, I think that's pretty spectacular. Free game for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Forza Horizon 2 in second and Assassin's Creed Syndicate in third. Best TA playlist game, Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> which uh, didn't surprise me at all. Uh, best DLC pack, this surprised me a bit. Uh, the Curse of the Pharaohs for Assassin's Creed Origins, that got uh, 37.5% of the vote. Mm. Uh, Forsaken for Destiny 2 coming in second with 316 And Fortune Island for Forza Horizon 4 coming in third with 31%. I suppose... That's a bit skewed considering it had only yeah. just come out midway through the vote. Yeah, it's very recent edition. Uh, yeah, and then uh, some of the achievement awards. So the proudest achievement was stunt superhero in Forza Horizon Four. That's for getting three stars on every PR stunt in the game. Which yeah, that's a pretty decent one. Runner up was Dark Soul, the Dark Soul in Dark Souls Remastered, and that's basically the platinum 
for <laughs> getting all the achievements. <laughs> Most fun achievement was best in the West in Red Dead Redemption 2. That's uh, attaining 100% game completion, which I suppose, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Runner-up, Life at the Party in Forza Horizon 4. That was for taking part in 20 of the Forza Fun Live events that are new for Forza Horizon 4. Uh, most original achievement, I think I forgot about this one, but I agree with it, uh, was Stinkai in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Hmm. That's for finding an eye out of a guy, out of a goat's bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Which is different. <laughs> and runner-up was a Titanic ensemble in Sea of Thieves, give your ship a captain send-off by playing a song aboard it while it sinks. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. pretty original. And then uh, best name achievement was, it was this big in Red Dead Redemption 2. That's for catching a fish that weighs at least 16 pounds. And Stinkai was the runner-up in that one. Uh, yeah, and then on TT, uh, the game of the year went to God of War. So we're copying the game awards there. Um, and then Spider-Man came second with Red Dead Redemption 2 in third. Uh, the best PSVR game, which I totally agree with, is Astro Bot Rescue Mission, followed by Moss and then Beat Saber. Uh, best DLC pack was the city that never sleeps the heist for Spider-Man. So the first Spider-Man DLC, uh, followed by Forsaken for Destiny 2 again. And then third was New Game Plus for Spider-Man. So people just really like Spider-Man. Um, and then the trophies. So the proudest trophy, uh, which I probably agree with, is Father and Son in God of War. So that's the Platinum. Uh, and then Runner Up is the Platinum for Spider-Man, which is Be Greater. Um, the most fun trophy was again be greater in Spider-Man, so platinuming that game. Uh, and the runner-up was Chooser of the Slain in God of War, which is for uh, taking out all of the nine Valkyries, some really tough and uh, post-game bosses that you can take on. Um, the most original trophy was I'll Be Back in Detroit Become Human. Again, one of my votes. Um, this was for um, Connor, the android I mentioned earlier. He can die and come back in a new robot body several times throughout the game. This trophy is for finding every single way to kill him and get him to come back um, throughout the game. And it's called I'll Be Back, obviously, as a Terminator reference. Um, and the runner-up was With Great Power in Spider-Man, which is for finding something which I think is a bit of a spoiler. So I'm not going to say what that's for. Um, best name trophy is by Felicia in Spider-Man uh, in the DLC, which is a reference to a very old internet meme now. Um, and the runner-up was F- Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man in Spider-Man as well. Um, and yeah, that was it for the TT Awards. Okay. And I suppose we should conclude with what gets our vote for game of the year so let's start with mark so yeah my my three um i've i've mentioned them all a couple times by now uh in this podcast and certainly on twitter um to the dismay of anyone following me probably uh my third favorite is red dead uh i think in most other years it'd be my first it's just a phenomenal sequel all across the board i i look forward to the day when i replay it it's too long to go back and do it right now even though i kind of want to already but uh, <laughs> a, year, a year or two from now, often at the end of a gen, I'll replay some of my favorites. And just Arthur Morgan, man, he's he's a character that, that sticks in my brain in, in a way that few do. So that gets my third vote. My second is PUBG, sort of a game that I never expected to love the way I do, but it's just become like the go-to game for me and my brother. So that's very important to me. Um, I don't agree with Kevin's five out of five, but I wouldn't also on our scale, I wouldn't give it lower than a 4.5 out of five. I think some of the problems are still kind of inexcusable, but the overall product is just so, so well done. Um, and it's just, you know, it's birthed this genre that everybody's copying now. And that, that means something. And 
and PUBG is still special. There, there's, it has an intensity that's just unrivaled, even even among other games that are now copying it. Just PUBG does it best, in my opinion. And then first, it, obviously, it goes without saying, it's Sea of Thieves. It's <laughs> it's skyrocketed from a, a quirky game I didn't know much about. Uh, suddenly, I was like defending it uh, in like the review season for the game because I liked it more than most. And and then yeah, just content update after content update. I just grew to love it more and more all the time. And and now it sits probably I, on most days. I, I think it sits in my top three games of all time. Actually, not just my favorite game this year. I'd, I'd like to give it more distance before I figure out if that's totally accurate. But it certainly feels like that every time I step back into that world. I'm just so delighted to be there, and it's just constantly gorgeous. It it never gets old for me. It it has content. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any surprises there from Mark. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Ollie because Ollie's is a bit different because he mainly plays the ID. Yeah, game, I so. thought it would. Well, I think it was best that I picked from the ID games. I've streamed a bunch of them over the past year, and I worked out the other day that we've done over 200 different games streamed this year, wow. just over 200. Uh, can I remember what they're all like? No. Um, <laughs> but some of them definitely stood out to me. And there's probably people who disagree with what I'm about to say, but it's based on my personal preference. So the first one was Minute, which is mm. at first a confusing and I don't know, maybe even, well, I just say confusing experience. But once you play it for a while, you realize that it's actually genius. Um, it's a game where you only have a minute to survive. Um, and it's kind of laid out like the old Pokemon games. It's like 8-bit, top-down it's completely black and white. The graphics are basically non-existent. But um, <laughs> yeah, you play a little dude who just has to go out of his house and explore as much as he can in one minute. And if you hit that minute timer, you die and you start back at your house again. Um, and you kind of, as I said, you when you, when you start playing it, you think, what? Why have they made this a central mechanic of the game? What is what is the point in this? But it's actually done really well, and um, the the game is a, a nice comedic tone to it and it displays different parts of the game uh, death on death so you're not ever really doing the same thing in one death you'll always if you're playing properly you'll always unlock something else to do the next time you respawn um so yeah and i think the way it kind of wastes your time on purpose so that you're mm. so that you're like kind of frustrated with with trying to get to where you need to go is 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 funny sometimes so that was my i gotta say that the um the part that sold it for me because i've been playing it recently was when you go over to the lighthouse and there's a guy there that, that yeah, yeah. to reveal the secret treasure he takes roughly about 40 seconds to go through this inane story first before he'll reveal what he needs to say yeah. and that was the bit that really got me because it was obviously a, a really funny moment to waste 40 of your 60 precious seconds of life just listening to this guy rattle on about nothing yeah um, yeah so and- i very much enjoyed it as well yeah, and to even listen to everything he has to say, you have to have the running shoes. Because when I think yeah. when you first encounter him, he, you you just don't have enough time to listen to everything he has to say because he talks yeah. so slowly. So it's stuff like that yeah. that uh, makes it fun. Uh, Celeste was my second one. We've already spoken a lot about it, but I'll just uh, reiterate what I said before, that the the way the game plays and the way it introduces the mechanics to you are uh, really good. And it's... Yeah, it's a perfect example of how to execute the platformer genre. And then Dead Cells was my top, which is like a roguelike uh, platformer game. I've I basically picked all platformers. Well, I guess Minute's not platformer, but 
yeah, it's a roguelike game where all the levels are randomly generated, all the items are randomly generated, and it's just my perfect style of of game. I, I've loved games where you have randomly generated loot ever since I was a kid. I was playing Diablo 2 uh, over and over again as a teenager. So games that scratch that itch are certainly my favorite. And I just, it was one of the games, I think it was the first game I streamed that I genuinely like was excited to start playing it at home, which is obviously when I knew it was going to make this list. So yeah, that's my top three. Okay, cool. Sam, let's go on to yours. So I haven't actually put mine in order, so I'm going to decide what my top one is at the end of my speech because I haven't been able to choose. Um, so yeah, so my three are um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which, as I said earlier, was a real surprise for me. I thought this might be the year where it, the, the final nail in the coffin finally hits for me about 10 years after everyone else has given up. But no, it was actually, uh, the setting was beautiful. I thought it was a really pretty game. Uh, it's The characters are really interesting. Uh, Cassandra is one of the most interesting protagonists I've, I've spent time with in a long time. Uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the missions. There's a lot of sense of humor. Uh, the historical characters are, are very funny and, and uh, very interesting. It's, it's once again got to that point, like in Assassin's Creed 2, where I'm intrigued to go and read more about the world uh, as, as it's been displayed uh, which is something i did a lot with with the italian era games um and uh, i just i really like the structure of it i i love the fact that essentially there are three separate stories going on in 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 parallel uh, and there's actually three entirely separate endings to the game uh, depending on what you end, what what part you conclude first and um yeah i thought it was you know it wasn't the boldest and bravest game out there this year but it certainly for for an assassin's creed game it it made some really interesting moves and i think they've really set themselves up to to kind of reboot the series in an interesting way um and i'm very excited to see what they do next which for a series that's been going on for as long as as assassin's creed had is it's it's, a, it's an achievement in itself to sort of rejuvenate my interest in in what's going on with it so that's definitely up there for me also have god of war um as i said earlier i've kind of already gone over it all but just a really epic and uh, engaging and emotional and uh terrific experience all around a uh, really tight uh, rpg experience um and a lot of interesting characters a lot of humor again and something that i was sad to see the back of when i got to the the platinum and realized there was no dlc for it i was i was hungry for more um and it seems like from some of the kind of teasing throughout the game about different mythologies that they might visit that that this isn't a series that's going anywhere for the time being so very excited to see what they do with that next um and my final one is celeste uh again we've, we've talked about it enough but it just really blew me away um the themes the mental health themes in it were, were really surprising and, and really touching um the platforming was spectacular i'm not i'm not typically a, a platformer kind of guy but uh i was in my youth and this kind of reawakened some of that i've actually been playing a lot more platformers since because uh celeste kind of really reinvigorated my interest in that genre um it looks beautiful it sounds beautiful um and yeah it stuck with me as i said earlier while i've been playing all these amazing triple a games every time i've still gone back and thought yeah but i i uh celeste was was up there as well and i guess on that note i'm gonna have to say celeste is probably my game of the year oh nice final second decision <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i got through mine so in third place i've got forza horizon 4 i think it was you sam who said earlier it doesn't really do a, a whole lot different than Forza Horizon 3. I think some of the things that they did fix, like, you know, making it easier to get online and some of the 
new things like the Farzathon events and that kind of thing. The season's obviously massive. It, Farza Horizon 3 was my game of the year. That year came out, and this is basically a similar game, new setting, few little tweaks and improvements here and there that makes it probably the best racing game I think I've ever played. Second place was Spider-Man. It's the reason I have a PlayStation 4. <laughs> the thing that nailed it for me, like it, it, the story was really good, everything and all that kind of stuff was fun. But yeah, like like you said, the the kind of nailed that feel of actually swinging through the city and mm. it was just fun just to swing around. Like the combat was great, kind of an easier version of Batman, which always kind of tied my thumbs in knots. Yeah. There was still combos and things and that you could do and little special things that you could do, but it was a lot simpler for me to understand at least anyway. And the winner for me is Red Dead Redemption 2. It's pretty much the the best game I've played on the, the Xbox One easily. Mm. I, I was totally excited for a sequel. The Red Dead, the original Red Dead Redemption was probably one of the, my favourite games of all time. So I was really excited, but then there's always that, is it going to live up to expectations? And to me, it just totally did like uh, everything about it. It was one of the, probably the only game I've played this year where I was genuinely gutted, you know, once I'd finished mm. the game and it was like, now what do I do? <laughs> I, think. I, I haven't dove headfirst into the multiplayer yet. Like I've, I've dabbled with it, but I'm, I'm going to get on that. But I'm even just going back and going through, you know, all the the stuff that's probably annoying to a lot of people, like the gold medals and stuff. I'm looking forward to yeah. putting more time just into the game. And that is it for me. Rich has put his air. Shall we go through Rich's? Sure, why not? Reveal his? You can mock his second okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Rich had uh, in third place Forza Horizon 4. I know he's, like me, he's a massive fan of the series. Uh, second place, Far Cry 5. Nonsense. Nonsense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Andy's overall winner was Spider-Man, which I know he was really impressed with that when it came out on the PlayStation 4, a game that he took the time to platinum as well. Yeah. So maybe it just says that the game's really easy to platinum considering we've all done it. Yeah, but... it's not too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite simple, but it's, yeah, it's definitely worth pursuing. And if you're going to pick up a PlayStation 4 or anything this year, you know, for Christmas or whatever, you you've been an Xbox One owner and fancy a change, definitely a game to check out. And I suppose that is it for this end of year podcast. I know it's a, a quite a long one. Thank you everybody for listening and joining us. A bit of an update about the podcast. Basically the time it takes to record this podcast each week is getting quite a lot now with, with, with us altering the kind of format of it. We have to have a bit of a planning and discussion about it beforehand rather than just an automated list that we used to do. And then they've been going on about an hour and a half, I suppose, each time average. So there's that and then it takes me pretty much the rest of the day on a Friday to edit it all and upload it and do the stories and all that kind of thing and we've just decided it's not really worth the time compared to what we could spend our time doing on the sites we've got a lot of plans for all three sites next year there's for example these developments that have been going on all year that <laughs> still aren't here yet that are, that are on the way hopefully early next year so we're gonna not do the regular podcast anymore we will be doing a podcast. I don't know how we'll do it. Probably something like YouTube, maybe yeah. even live. We did that for E3. So we'll do that for any kind of big announcements and big events like E3, Gamescom, probably Game of the Year, stuff like that next year. But this will be the, the last regular show. Yeah, and I think if we if there are any big 
big games that come out as well that we all fancy talking about we can we can get together and, and do a bit of a special like we did for red dead as well but um but yeah we'll keep people posted with what we do for sure so if you've been listening throughout thanks for joining us every week we will be around at some points just not as regularly probably be more like the old old podcast where it was like once a month or two months or sometimes <laughs> even three months um so yeah thanks for listening and joining us every week and we shall see you all in the new year yep bye 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 bye, bye.